Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Heroes of the Realms, welcome back to your weekly podcast. Just kidding. We're not really weekly. Just this one time. It's special. Don't get used to it, guys. Usually bi-weekly, mostly tri-weekly. Sorry, I lost myself already. Podcast about Hero Realms, uh, mostly the digital app of the game. Um, It's a deck builder from Wise Wizards Games. You all know that at this point. By the way, the name of this podcast is Sparks and Recreation. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Jigmalinkba-Rooks. I am excited to be back. We have taken a short break of maybe about just one week. We couldn't wait to get back into the recording studios here at Sparks and Rec headquarters. We have a full canoe today, guys. It, we're, it, the canoe is so heavily loaded, it, it, it's, it, it's in danger of tipping over. But, you know, as your captain of this canoe, I'm going to do my best to uh, to navigate the the dangerous waters. This metaphor just fell off the rail, guys, so I'm, I'm going to abort now. <laughs> Let's get on with the uh, intros here. We have, as I said, a full cast. Um, first, um, one of the semi-OGs, Sam Scrapforce Parsons, ha- is uh, uh, joining us today. How's it going, amigo? Matthew Rooks, thank you so much. What a great introduction. I love the metaphor. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, it's going good. I'm here in the Outer Banks of North Carolina on the vacay, dialing in, because you know what? I freaking love Sparks and Rec. And I just want to point out that I said freaking. I did not say the other word that I often <laughs> will say in the intro. Okay. Just let and then keep going, buddy. Smacking myself. Yeah, just keep so going. So that's that. That's where we're at. I'm happy. I'm, I'm loose. I'm ready. Let's talk about nerd stuff. You are loose. That can be confirmed by numerous sources. Um, we'll, we'll keep it going. Uh, a, another semi OG, um, the diamond one, Chris Double Dubs Wahlberg. How's it going, dog? I'm on a roll. It's time to go solo. Hey, 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 man. I am thrilled to be here on this evening with a couple of fantastic guests. So we'll leave it at that because I can't wait for you to introduce who we've got here tonight yes all right and we do have actually two very special guests all right now the first guest that i'm about to introduce um is extra special because not only am i going to introduce him i'm going to reveal his name to all of you who have been maybe wondering about it all right (laughs) ladies and gentlemen it's my pleasure to introduce to you all cooper filterphobe fitzgerald thanks for joining us today buddy Hey, Jig. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. This is um, one of my favorite things to do while I'm at work, listening to the podcast. And now I get to <laughs> pretend to work and be on the podcast instead. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> thanks for joining us today, buddy. He is a fellow um, Asianic time zone with along with me. So we are actually uh, podcasting together during the daytime, which is nice. Uh, our other three members are not. Now, last but not least, while his uh, internet connection is still up and I can still see that he's uh, connected with us. <laughs> last but not least, we're going to introduce um, the man himself, 
Alex the Cats's Meow Rogers, joining us while he is performing repair work on his um, water heater. Um, how's it going today, bud? Uh, you know, it's been a day, but I'm here, and that's that's the most important thing. So you know, I don't think and, it can uh, be understated that he's literally <laughs> repairing the water heater. He's got the AirPod Pros in, picking up the mic there. He's on the phone. And, like, we saw the water heater. It's a part. He's shutting off the gas. He's shutting off the water. He's shutting off the electric. Like, this is real. But we're bringing you the content. So thanks for joining. The fans uh, want it. In spite of these conditions. The commitment and, uh, is is yeah, like off the charts. Off the charts. The cats Alex is, is just a man of many ca- a man of many, many talents here. I am very impressed. <laughs> and you also yeah, uh, tried to fix your refrigerator today too. Was that right? Oh yeah, that was uh, got but, it to where it was. It, yeah, it broke this morning too because you know it's it's like I said, it's been a day. Um, I actually got it to where it dropped a few degrees for like a couple hours, and then whenever my wife got home, she's like, "Nah, nah, it, it, it's not anymore." So mm. everything's in coolers right now, and we have a new one being delivered in two days. And you know, I'm here. Times. That's when, that's the win. So it's funny too. Like this stuff happens in chunks like that. Like your your laundry machine will go, and then your fridge will go, or your water heater will go, and your dishwasher. You know, it sucks, man. And it hurts the wallet too, but we're here for you. We are moral and mental support for you today, buddy. And um, we have a, a really fun episode planned for you guys. All right. Um, Double does. Why don't you walk us through it here? Yeah. So first of all, we got to hit up the, what would you do segment? We've got a uh, mailbag portion of the show where we're going to go into a few questions and trail into some musings of the metagame. Might even be able to get into some hero helper related data. After that, our main focus is going to be on the monk. Talk about where that's at. I know uh, these guys have been really grinding out the games to get a feel for the class to be able to bring you all the latest and greatest on it. And of course, we're going to tap it or scrap it and call it a podcast. So um, one last thing before we get out of here, I did, of course, want to shout out the patrons and donors. We appreciate everyone that supports the show. It, you know, helps us uh, keep keep things rolling here. So thank you so much to everyone that chooses to do that. Indeed. Thanks, buddy. Also, guys, I'm, I'm going to do just a quick experiment here. Um, inspired by... Larry Lova, or Larry Love, I think he called himself, who, who just dropped some sick rhymes on, on his uh, last thing. I'm going to kick <laughs> off the episode with a little rhyme. All right. Ooh. Oh, shit. <clears throat> I'm so excited. Are... All right. Here we go. <laughs> sometimes her rhyme slow and sometimes her rhyme quick. I'm smoother and cooler than my man there, Rick. Yo, check out my ship in a bottle. Y'all just don't step too close. I'll drop my fireball. Give me just one second while I shuffle up my deck. Come on, everybody. It's time for Sparks and Rick. Oh, what? yes. Let's get it going, what? guys. What would you do? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> that was huge. Hold on. Was... Yeah, we got to mention he held up a ship in a bottle when he said ship yeah, in he... a bottle, you guys. It was so clutch. That's how my We got to go for that video. We got we to gotta start broadcasting the video. Yeah, this would have been a good video good. one. Yeah, this would have been Absolutely. a great video one. Though. All right. Um, what nice. would you do? Coop, why don't you lead us I'm not off? Not over here, it right? yet. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. What would you say you do here? 
<laughs> All right, what would you do? <laughs> so we've got a level one bard game uh, submitted by Daily23 uh, against Meowgan. Um, we're on turn seven. The row is quite loaded, to say the least. Uh, we've got a Rat Swarm, an Inquisitor's Touch, Full Moon's Call, Unger the Unbeaten, and Crime Spree. Uh, so a lot of incredible cards in that market row. We're currently sitting on 8 gold, so we can afford everything that's there. Um, and we've played the Bard card that says the next blue champion we acquire goes to the top of our deck. So it does mean that if we were to buy the Ungra, it would go to top of deck. Um, in our discard pile, we've already picked up a Bushwhack and a Fire Gem. And in the enemy's deck right now, it's just all starter cards. However, in the discard pile, we are staring at a Rattling Welcome and a Deception, which if they pair together could allow our opponent to get some really big purchases. And they've also got a Gala, uh, Gayrock, Gaylock, uh, the three-cost champ that does some sacrifice. So, what would you do? Hmm. All right, should we give... Let's... Well, how about we do the Discord first, and then we can see if we agree or disagree or maybe provide some alternative yep. viewpoints. So starting off in the Discord, we have uh, Frank saying, I'd go with Crime Spree and Inquisitor's Touch. Crime Spree will help by other big cards and it'll prevent the opponent from getting it to faction and with their other guild cards. At that point, there is still gold for Inquisitor's Touch unless a better one-cost card flips. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, Somewhat. and most of the people voted for Crime Spree in there, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got five votes for Crime Spree and um, one vote for uh, Ungra. Speaking of which, I did accidentally skip over Zembu. Uh, Zembu has said, right, it does say level one. I say Ungra here as Ungra will top deck. I see why others could go Swarm or Crime Spree here, but I just like getting that beef into play on next turn, which is yeah. a fair point. Um, mm -hmm. Bard is notorious for having low starting damage. Um, so there's a pretty good chance mm -hmm. that that Ungra could be sticking around for the next five turns. Um, yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to piggyback off Barry here. Now, I, Crime Spree, there's not much else to say there. Like, it's crazy. And once, if your opponent gets it and can start jiving it with um, Deception, you're, you're toast. Yep. This, the bad yep. news is, um, even if you buy Crime Spree, he can still get Ungra or Rat Swarm and do the same thing anyway. Uh, I do like Barry's idea of just throwing Ungra in right away and just start pounding that. Um, that bard and just try to get an early lead and hopefully maybe you can squeak it out before he gets all his magic going. Uh, I guess the other thing I'll say is rat swarm. Now I've kind of um, coded my brain to buy rat swarm whenever I see it, no matter what else is on available, just because it is so effing good. Uh, however, um, this is one of the cases where there's a lot of amazing cards there and I think you're in trouble if the bard can um, start combining all that those guild, but there's no way around it anyway. I don't know, guys. I'm going to say Rat Swarm. I'm going to go Rat Swarm, see what flips, maybe go mm -hmm. with the Inquisitors uh, or you know do something else. But I like the Rat Swarm because I can, even if he starts um, stocking up on champs, I can use it to expend them, and it gives me a ton of um, damage as well to take take stuff out if I need to. That's what I'm doing. Uh, Sammy, what do you got? Nice. So this is so funny because I started with Rat Swarm. I, I commented on the thread, if you guys will look at it, uh, that I ended up with Crime Spree because 
if you have crime spree that can pull something out of discard and you have uh the deception that can go straight to your deck like that's insane 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 if you can start getting those to drive but now that i realize that unger is there and it's got seven butt and it hits pretty hard and it draws and it draws that's pretty hot however they could counter you with getting the the rat so like mm, it's tricky it's tricky i think um so what are you going I with? I really do like that Ungra. I think I'm going to stick with Crime Spree because if they could still get their Rat Swarm, I was going, I was switching to Ungra, but they could get the Rat Swarm and just counter you pretty easily. So I think I would go with well, with Crime they Spree. They can't get case, the Rat Swarm. They can't. Sorry to interrupt there. They can't get the Rat Swarm on their current hand, so they'll have to shuffle right. and then put together six gold, and then it'll be at the end of that deck cycle. So you're a little ways away from the wat- mm-hmm. rat swarm being able to impact your board. So I think you'd still get a couple turns with the Ungra if you were um, trying to take that angle with it. But um, You could get at least two, and then you might even get the gold back because you have a bribe, right? So it's possible. Because you're going to shuffle the next turn. Whatever you buy this turn will go into your your next deck. Right, yeah. So. And... Um, so I about the Ungra play, that one is interesting to me because I do like the idea of getting it out right away. Opponent doesn't have a ton of damage, so there's a chance it can stick around. The only thing that I like a little bit less about it is that we're level one, so our skill is not going to interact with Ungra in any way. Is that really a point against it? Not necessarily, but it's like not as good as Ungra like really could be, right? Since we can't like mm. repair it and buff it up or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I got to sh- throw a little love to Full Moon's Call because that card is awesome. This yeah. truly is quite yeah. a stacked row. Yeah, we should um, just at least mention it, right? It deserves to be right. mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And now that the hmm. bard, the songs count as being part of that faction, we actually do mm. have a green card in the deck. So mm. we have a shot at factioning that. Um, still not going to be enough to make me want to purchase it. I am going to go along with the crime spree. Just because this is like the exact situation to me where I think we want to be getting Crime Spree. It's early enough in the game that that 5 Econ is going to have an impact. Um, Good things to spend it on too. Great things to spend it on. Yeah, exactly. There's places to sink the 5 gold into. So, uh, And we're right about to shuffle. So we could get it on our very next hand and, you know, kind of roll from there. So. That is kind of where I'm leaning. Uh, Filterphobe, what, what are you going to do on this board state? Um, so just going off another point you made there, Dubs, uh, this specific what would you do has been recorded just before the bard buffs. So at the moment in the game we're looking at now, um, those starter cards aren't factioning. Um, ah, otherwise, okay. we would actually be able to faction uh, a crime spray to the top of our deck this turn, which would be very big. Oh, um, that's a great call out. Yeah. Yep. So that makes it like a go-to then, right? Like you guys would agree if you could top deck the crime spree off the bribe, it's a yeah, lock, yes. right? I'm not sure, oh, yeah. but probably. Yeah, it's not even yeah. close. Yeah. I mean, to be um, honest, I mean, it's kind of, crime spree is clearly the best answer, but it's fun to look at other possibilities to make that case. could work yeah. well. Yeah. Um, For sure. Like, let's, let's just really, sorry, filter, but really quick, yeah. like you do have an aggro rush here. But it's just a matter of like what what puts you in the best position to execute your rush and prevent them from executing something, and that's why I keep going back to crime spree because that combo of the deception plus crime spree is killer. So you want to 
hate buy that away from them, right? Filter, what would you do, man? Yeah, so I'm pretty much on the same boat as ever as uh, Dubs and uh, Sam right now. I think the combination between Deception and Crime Spree is too powerful to let the opponent have. Um, if on their next, if you've gone for Ungra or Rat Swamp, and on their next deck cycle they pair up that Deception, Deception and that Rappling Welcome, they're going to get a Crime Spree to their hand, and then they're going to use that gold from the Crime Spree to buy the other card that you didn't buy, and then put that on the top <laughs> of their deck. Um, so and it's game blow over. Out that, is, that, that is game over if that happens. So yeah. I personally think the line here is to not go for the I'm going to lose immediately on turn 10 um, when my <laughs> opponent inevitably top decks Rattling Welcome and Deception because mm-hmm. you know that will happen. Um, mm-hmm. If Deception <laughs> and Rattling Welcome in your deck, it would never happen because your opponent has it. It always happens. Um, yep. Exactly. So yeah, you get you get that crime spree. You stop your opponent doing that. Um, if they do get Angra and Rat Swarm, so be it. I guess you're probably going to get the other one. Full Moon's Call is also very good because when you've got all this econ, because you've got a bribe in your deck as well. If you do pair that bribe and uh, that crime spree together, you're going to be able to top deck a Full Moon's Call or a Rat Swarm, get them into play immediately. Um, you know, there's a lot. There's a bunch of other cards that could flip. Full Moon's Call could become amazing after the next few cards get purchased. Who knows, oh, maybe yeah. a, a domination or something splits as well and flips as well, and you can top deck that using your crime spree and your bribes. Yeah. There's a lot of potential for crime spree, and I think you just don't want to give your opponent the I win immediately on turn 10 button when they inevitably top deck that rattling and uh, deception if you don't. That's great logic and great reasoning, I think. So he, Filtro's framing it as like avoiding the situation where you're going to lose immediately, right? And that's uh, mm-hmm. a great reason to pick Crime Spree in, in, in of itself. Yeah, nice explanation there. Uh, Alex, you, wh- what would you do here, buddy? Have you looked at this? What would you do? Right now he's got his uh, head inside <laughs> of a water heater. I agree. He agrees. Okay. So he also <laughs> says Crime Spree. Yeah. Uh, Decat also endorses Crime Spree here, I think. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, I think that was a pretty good what would you do. If we don't have any final thoughts on this, let's segue in to Mailbag. You've got mail. Welcome to the mailbag segment, everybody. We want to thank everyone who sends in questions for this part of the podcast. We really love uh, hearing from the questions that the community has. So if there's anything you would like us to chat about in a segment like this, please get a hold of us on the Discord and we'll be happy to feature it in the show. You can even make a recording of yourself and we'll be happy to play that too. So um, definitely looking for content from you guys here. The one thing we want to talk about first is uh, Matthew, he was our contest runner-up, and he had an idea of something. It's it's something we can talk about here, but it's more something that we can do as a community. So how could we build a custom class on Lua from scratch or kind of from audience suggestions? We could brainstorm class names and pick one or maybe even two and go with it making a unique level three character. So what do you guys think about that? That's pretty spicy. It reminds me of, um, I, I don't I don't want to draw too many Magic the Gathering comparisons, but back in the day, they did like a design, the community designed a card. They like picked the card type, they picked what it would do, and there was like voting and all, all this sort of stuff. Um, so I think it's a pretty interesting idea, and it could get like, 
as of now, we have some really dedicated folks that have been hammering away at the Lewis stuff. And this could be like opening the entry for a greater amount of people to engage with the Lewis scripting. So that's one of the things mm-hmm. that's exciting to me about it. What, what are your guys' thoughts? I, I love it. I mean, we all loved it. And that's one of the reasons why he, he was the runner up in our contest. Um, right. <laughs> I, think, I think what we should do is create like a thread inside the um, Lua, Lua channel. crafting. Yeah. Lua crafting channel and just, and just start going and maybe we can get like some ideas rolling and create a community Lua character. Now, when I say we create, uh, we're going to need to some help. Uh, or I'm gonna because I I don't have the skills to, to create it. I can come up with some <laughs> ideas for stuff, but um, I know Phil chose one of a uh, really good Lua crafter. Uh, Arkenel, of course, is a great one. Uh, Warden, Slayer. Well. Warden Slayer. Warden Slayer. Warden Slayer is yeah. Warden Slayer's <laughs> Sparks and Rec character alone gets him a spot in the Hall of Fame. Yes, in the Lua Hall of Fame, <laughs> of course. Uh, and he's making so lots funny. of other stuff as well. And he's also, and I don't want to spoil. Well, I think he's, he might have talked about it a little bit. He's also working on a Kobold. Uh, ancestry. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, but what anyway. was second on his list, boys? What was second on his list? Tortle. Let's go. Right. Shout out daily team <laughs> Tortle in the house. As soon as I brought up, I thought, Tortle, I knew, I thought I you were talking about like a Tortle Pokemon or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it like be. a Dungeons and Dragons exactly. race. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so <laughs> this is a great idea from Matthew three. All right. And not only will we um, create a discord channel for this, uh, we'll open up the mailbag for it as well. So we know not all of our listeners are on the discord. Totally get it. Send us a message or an email or um, a telepathic um, thought about Mm -hmm. ideas you might have for such a character. And we will, uh, we'll pass it on to the crew. All right. Uh, Sammy, what do you got to say? So somewhat on topic, I was inspired by you guys last episode where, we had the mailbag call in of what would be like a character class. I was driving to South Carolina on a seven hour roadie at like three in the morning, listening to you guys. It was fantastic. And my mind was just racing. I had a Red Bull uh, <laughs> so I could not fall asleep and kill us. And I was like, Oh, what would I do? So let me share my idea really quick. Just as an example of what our listeners could do too. All right. King Midas, right? He's got like epic econ ability, maybe a little bit less ability to, uh, hit in the starting deck. But what he can do is he can buy stuff earlier, but it comes with a negative Midas's touch, right? Every shuffle, you're going to Midas touch a card and that card then becomes basically a fire gem, probably something different than a fire gem, but it's basically a fire gem. And it could be one of the cards you buy. It could be a starter card. It could be good. It could be bad. It's Midas's touch. You don't know what's going to happen. Dude, Sam, this is such an an amazing idea that Zabuza literally already made it. And it's been in the game for like months now. Really? Yeah, Yeah, it does. does. (laughs) It's called King Midas. Now, it might be a little, the skill might be a little different than what you just described. Yeah. But um, yeah, check it out. I think you can, it is in, it's in Arcanel's, um, it's in Arcanel's, uh, selector thing it's one of the 10 uh characters the 10 custom choose from, classes yeah yep. the custom that is class. hilarious is that like when someone Sammy. steals a joke yeah. on accident to some like yeah. no, great. so props <laughs> to zabuza for creating something that sam am i creating something am I two months Schumer? ago that sam just, just I <laughs> props to zabuza <laughs> there you go 
Dane Feel Cook. free to incorporate my ideas about King Midas. <laughs> They're different than yours, but they might be the same. Sam, you're the Dane Cook of Lua crafting, my friend. Exactly. I also have an itch soul, just so you guys know. <laughs> Wow. That was the joke they, they claim he stole. That was the joke. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. It was on topic. Come on now. Yeah, it was on. on topic and connected. That's what Dane Cook is. Yes. That was the joke because he, st- he stole other people's jokes. Okay. Sam, you, hey, nicely done, man. I still might have to bleep out the dirty asshole, <laughs> but uh, <nicely> <laughs> right. now you have two bleeps. <laughs> okay. We have um, a bleep alert at 9.49 p.m. <laughs> 23 minutes in the mailbag. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm seriously, actually, am going to write that down. Um, let's go on to the uh, next mailbag question. This one is from um, old community stalwart and friend of the pod, Logan K. Stewart. Uh, he submitted a really nice question for us. Let's take a – I have the uh, audio queued up, guys. Let's take a listen now. If you just click it and open it up, it should – Get it ready. It's only about a minute long. We'll listen to Logan's question, and then we'll take our our turns answering. Okay, I'm going to start playing it now. What up, dudes? This is Logan, and I have a question. So, I'm curious what your thoughts are on sacrificing an opponent alchemist's fool's gold. So they give you the fool's gold. It's cluttering your deck. Would you sacrifice it on any occasions? If so, why? But doing so, you know, improves their deck too. So this is a situation I run into from time to time. And I don't really ever fear, feel comfortable sacrificing it out myself. But uh, I'm not really opposed to it either. So I thought of this might be a fun mailbag question. Thanks. Bye. Uh, Logan, you you thought right. You, you thought right, my friend. It was a fun mailbag question. Um, I'm going to go off first here, guys, because I love Alchemist. It's one of my favorite classes. Uh, even w- when you're playing against an Alchemist, right? I, well, that's what he's talking about. When you get a Fool's Gold passed to you, uh, I will not scrap it if I have another target to scrap. If I don't have another good target to scrap, I'll scrap it, and I won't think twice about it. All right, because even, yeah, you are going to slow down your opponent's deck for uh, a little bit, but they're going to give it back to you again, unless it's like close to the end of the game or something Mm -hmm. like that. But yeah, I will not scrap it if I have a better target. That's how I do it. Filter, what what do you do with uh, the Fool's Gold? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, Usually when I think about scrap, I try to think about how can I make my deck as quick and as fast as possible. Um, I don't necessarily care what I'm scrapping some points. Like if it's Turn seven, I'm sacking at Ruby, so be it if I think it'll make the game work. Um, so Fool's Gold kind of does hit that same spot where sometimes you just want to get it out of the way, and if it's your best sacrifice target, take it. Cool. Um, Sammy, what do you do with Fool's Gold? Uh, I don't know. I can see where Logan sort of like feels conflicted about it. Um, I would probably agree with you guys on that. Counter question, would you ever top deck it? to get it out into your hand faster and back into their other person's like deck instead. If I you didn't have any good, like if you had hopefully, like a and grab. hopefully you have something better to top deck now, but like, let's say it's the only thing in your discard pile or something. Yeah, and you had smash and grab. Yeah. I would top deck it. Yeah. It's better than right. putting, waiting for the shuffle. Yeah. Would you scrap That's it a really or would fringe you top, top deck it? 
Would you scrap it or top deck it? If you had both, Ooh. you had a choice. Probably scrap it. Yeah, I'd scrap it. All right. I, I agree with that. I had nothing that okay, you'd have to slow down your question. hand before you'd slow down their hand. So no reason to forcibly slow your slow your hand down faster. Yep. Great way to good right. good logic there. Thanks to cats. Um, Dubs, do you have any different viewpoints on this? I don't have a ton to add, but I would just say like I am trying to think about this. If I'm in the position of the alchemist player, I would feel a small like victory maybe. If my opponent did scrap the fool's gold, you know, like that, I'd be like, cool, that works for me. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a tough spot to be in. You want to have some um, discretion about when you do it because the alchemist player is like nice. So anytime, I guess that's the point that I want to try to make is that like anytime you're thinking about making a decision, it's good to like flip the table and be like, well, what would my opponent want me to be doing here? And if like you can avoid playing into that, you you should at least consider it. So yeah. um, good point. Yeah. Now I, I will say this though, just to push back a little bit. Sometimes the Venn di- diagram overlaps. Right? What's good for your opponent is also good for you. Both can be true at the same time. So yep. you can't. Totally. Yeah. You, yep. Right. And you have to realize uh, when that happens. But yeah. The, yeah, this is a really good question, Logan. And it, 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 I, I think it's not just pinpointing this fool's gold interaction, but other decisions that are made as well. When you're looking at what is the right, if, if things are pretty equal, you know, what, what's the best decision to make? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just layering off what Dub said. Um, If you're in a position where you think the best thing for yourself to sacrifice is the fool's gold, you're probably already in a position where you've chopped out a lot of the gold in your starting deck to begin with. So um, as much as, yeah, the, the alchemists sure they're happy that you are sacrificing that fool's gold but if you're sacrificing that fool's gold you're probably already in a really good position to begin with um yeah or just had a bad shuffle and you don't have any other targets and you have the scrap targets <laughs> yeah. which happens <laughs> yeah all right um yeah great question logan thanks again and these are like the really revealing things to think about because it shows larger scale thought processes in the game i think and decision making um strategies etc etc so really cool stuff all right um next we have a question from eindelus uh i have it queued up here as well let's listen now and see what eindelus has to ask about Uh, i know level 14 isn't end game yet but what do you guys think about the balancing uh on the the ancestry so far uh, and maybe in particular the wizard. All right, balancing on the ancestries, and he asked about the wizard too. But I think we're going to kind of talk about lots of stuff here, more than just the wizard. All right, now I'm just going to give this a little background and then kind of toss the ball over to Filtro because he's prepared some interesting data analysis for this stuff. Uh, but great question from Angelus. All right, guys, let's talk about level 14. Let's talk about ancestries. Let's talk about some classes. And I guess the, like the power pyramid, right? We haven't done this in a while, I guess. Uh, not explicitly. I think we've talked about it, but maybe not on the pod. It's a good chance to do it. All right, Filtro. Set, set the stage for us here, buddy. Yeah, all right. So um, I worked with, I've been helping Sam with some hero help stuff for a while now. Um, and while the full ancestry breakdown isn't quite there in hero helper yet, um, I suppose just a quick shout out that 
we do actually have access to all that data. Um, so once that is developed, that'll all be displayed. Um, but yeah, so I did a, coincidentally, before Eintelus actually posted the mailbag, we did a full breakdown of all the uh, win rates of classes and ancestries at level 13 and 14. Um, yeah, so... All right. So now, now it's difficult. We have to be careful here because if we start spitting out too much stats in an audio format, it can be a little difficult to follow. So let's try to break it up into chunks. And maybe, Filtro, you've noticed some interesting things here, all right? And there's so many yep. places to start, it's hard. So just pick something that you notice and let's start there. Yeah, so I think it's probably best off to just start looking at the base classes just with human ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, so also I should add that all of these stats have been uh, recorded since the first round of ancestry nerfs and the druid nerfs. Um, so that's what, two months worth of data now or something from hero helper. And this is from yep. hero helper stats. Yeah. Yep. Okay. From hero helper stats. Um, so just looking at the base classes, we've got wiz- we've got wizard and thief both being played basically as much as each other. They're by far the most popular classes in the game. Uh, wizard is sitting at almost a 60% win rate. Uh, thief is at a 46% win rate. Um, so pretty staggering mm. difference there. I think a lot Whoa. of, a lot of that gap in win rate is because Wizard beats Thief. Um, mm. If you look at the Thief's matchup spread, it does beat all the other classes, um, even if it does actually have a lower win rate than Fighter, which is actually... Fighter at level 14 has a higher win rate than Cleric and Ranger, which if you told me beforehand, I would have what? told you were nuts. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, now what is... Got wait, the win win rate at level 14. I, I'm just going to guess one yeah, of the reasons... I can wait pop- on that too. Yeah, I think it's probably because Fighter beats Wizard. Or it has yeah. it has a good chance of being wizard. Well, yeah, I guess. and especially because in the current meta, granted, I don't, I haven't played the standard queue in like eight years at this point in time. But um, the last time I did play it, all you saw was like soul and pure wizard. Like there wasn't a single serene channel that I could come across. And so when you're not having serene channel, it is a whole lot easier for that fighter to be wizard. So. Yeah. I think a lot of people also run uh, Misdirection Thief on Ladder, which Fighter can get under pretty comfortably. Um, yeah. This is all anecdotal, though. Again, I'm pretty much... Yeah, no, this, yeah, well this is great, point. though. Yeah, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, so there's, Fighter's there's out. a lot of Rangers, too, and if Ranger's doing... In the, if Ranger's in the dumps, then... Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and another thought, too, is that with Cleric being absolute trash and nobody wanting yeah. to play it, guess who gets to reign free? Fighter does. Yep. So. Yep. yep. That um, helps a lot. Also, also, I should add, all these stats have the mirror excluded. Um, so if we're looking at fighters win rate, we've taken all, out all the fighter first fighter games. There's no wizard versus wizard games. Yeah. Um, our next most played is... So fighters number three in terms of play rate and they're number two in win rate. They're at 48%. Um, next up, our wait, next most wait, played... Wait, hold on. Yeah. Time, time out there. So the number one win rate is wizard at, you said 62 or... or uh, it's at 59.999%. Oh, 59.9. Okay, so 60%. Um, so 60%. Okay. Yep. okay, we'll call it 60. So <laughs> Wizards at number one was 60. Number two is uh, Thief, you said, at so 48? Th- sorry, Thief has the highest play rate, but they've got the mm. third in win rate. Oh, third. Um, okay. Yeah. And Thief second does... Is- so sec- second highest win rate's Fighter, and they're third in play rate. Wow. And that's yep. 48% win rate. So it drops from yep. 60% from first with Wizard. Second highest win rate is 48%, and it's fighter. Yep. Crazy. Yep. Okay, sorry, yep. keep going. Yep. All right. Yep. Um, next, our second least played class and the second lowest win rate is the Cleric. Um, at 36% win rate, 
the cleric is our <laughs> second lowest performing class, level fourteen. Oof. And it's the the wizard. Sure. Yep. And f sure enough, we've got the ranger as both our least played and our lowest win rate. Ranger currently has a thirty-four percent win rate at level fourteen. Unbelievable! Yikes. Oh, how the tides have changed. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, the Ranger is in the dumpster right now. Um, the only class it is it has a losing matchup against every class at level 14. Okay. Can you tell now, how many games of the Ranger were played by Logan with the Parrot build? <laughs> that's, that's something to consider. <laughs> that, might, sure. that might explain something. <laughs> Sorry, now, Logan. Now, no, wait. Now, now, just to like set, just to explain some of the the Ranger plight here. Remember the the Ranger got nerfed. Right before mm -hmm. they released the level 13, level 14 content. And yes. the level 13 upgrade for the Ranger was by far the worst out of everybody. So you had, and we had some of the strongest upgrades in the game released for other people, like the wizard uh, ship in the bottle and the map and some, you know, some other insane level 13 upgrades that really boosted yeah. some characters. So we saw the Ranger who was riding high at level 12 get nerfed you know pretty pretty well not too much but the biggest thing in my opinion was that that level 13 upgrade was just garbage compared to the other people and he's kind of uh, the ranger's been left in the dust that's my anecdotal reasoning for that yeah but. um someone pointed it out to me that you probably don't even want to have a level 13 upgrade in your deck i think a ranger a level 12 ranger deck with level 14 health would probably just be better than a level 13 ranger deck because those two cards that you add they clog up your track um even if Compass right. reveals your hand and draws a card, you, you always play around your opponent's hand as though everything's in there anyway. It does like you, most of the time I play Compass, I just press the button, don't even look at their hand, I just keep going. Um, yeah. And it's one card that clogs up your track. Um, and Parrot, as much as it's fun, again, it's just a card that clogs up your deck. Um, okay, all right. So let me explain. This it. is a great point. So it, it, it might seem counterintuitive at first. You're like, how can a card that draws clog clog up your deck? It clogs up your deck because it makes your deck size bigger. So like when what Filter right. just said, if you're trying to use your track, it's only going to go X cards deep, depending on which track you're using. Yeah. So the more cards you have in your deck, the less effective or efficient your, your track is. is, is uh, what he's yeah. Saying. yeah. Sorry, I should clarify we're talking about our spyglass not compass right. the uh, level 13 upgrade right the spyglass which lets you see your opponent's deck and then draws a card i think or maybe yeah. draws yeah. first and then and then you come up but yeah okay yeah. yeah great stuff filtro all right so this is a really interesting breakdown so just a quick recap so far ranger sucks cleric sucks uh fighter we thought sucks but is actually doing better than most other classes and wizard is kicking everything's ass Basically, yeah. and everybody loves playing thief. Still, I have a yeah. quick and question for, though that I want to throw in. This is for in. humans. This yeah. is for humans only. Yeah. yeah. But is it only so, like uh -huh. is is this data only humans versus other humans, and is it only base class versus mm -hmm. other base classes, or yeah. is this just all opened wide up, and this is like human wizards versus anything that's out there? Can you clarify yeah. that a little uh, bit? So people? this this data is both the public and the uh, production environment. Um, however, the numbers on shall we say the human classes are substantially higher than all the ancestry stuff. So I know when I'm queuing ancestry, I'm more like, I know when I'm queuing better, I'm more likely to see an ancestry of a class at level 14 at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So I, again, okay. I could, you could dive into it a bit further, but I'd say that most of these games are production players playing against each other. Okay. okay. Interesting. That's reasonable. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's keep going. Cause I know you've got lots of data and lots of stuff here. What are some other interesting points that, that you found here? Yeah. Um, so, I suppose 
back on the topic of Vindaloo's question, he was talking about uh, ancestries. So mm-hmm. um, at the moment, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the ancestries first. So mm-hmm. at the moment, realistically, we have probably a decent enough sample, not for only wizard and fighter ancestries at the moment. Some data starting to come through for the other three, but the data size is pretty small, and because it's pretty small, it's not overly trustworthy. The small comments I will make is that small fo- small folk thief does look very good. Um, mm. Uh, half demon ranges randomly get a really high win rate, but again, we're talking less than fifty games on these classes. It's everything there should be taken with a grain of salt at that point. Um, but yeah, Ooh. so if we look at wizard and um, fighter and ancestries, we'll start with the fighter. Right now, ogre fighter is the highest win rate thing in the game, and it's not even close. Um, with the release of monk, that might change, but we're still early days for monk. When you know we got this data, monk had been out for maybe five days at that point and uh, looking at level 14 there's not many games at level 14 because everyone has to get the monks to level 14 to begin with mm-hmm. yeah ogre mm-hmm. fighter is just head and tails away from the pack sitting at a 72 percent win rate um and remember this is it's only being played on beta so it's being played against all of oh, the other ancestries and all the beta classes and all the rest of it there so it's substantially 82. better than That's everything crazy. at the moment yeah. That's nice. wow. So yeah. yeah, is there one that it struggles against? I mean, the cleric, I would assume, but is it cleric so and cleric? lift lift thief? Uh, Probably no one's pos- queuing yeah. cleric though. So. Yeah. Um, a- yeah. Anecdotally, it does struggle against cleric, but the matchup into cleric has so little games that there's not enough data for it to not, comment yeah. on. It's been filtered out yeah, from yeah. Uh, my export. Uh, um, I, I I will say this surprisingly. Or maybe not surprisingly, but interestingly, one of the better matchups for the ogre fighter is druid. Actually, even just human druid can do well against uh, can do well against fighters. Yeah, um, not quite as good as lift thief or um, uh, cleric, but it, it, I, I tested a little bit because I, I was. This actually goes. You know what? This is a good time quickly just to talk about how Filtro beat me in King of the Castle recently. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. And his Ooh. first challenge against me was a, an ogre fighter. And I answered, I almost answered it with uh, Druid. And, and I actually practiced a little bit with the cats, uh, with, with Druid and uh, Lift Thief. And I, just, I ended up going with Lift Thief because it was a little more stable and, and pretty easily beat the ogre fighter. And uh, coincidentally, the only game I took versus Filtro in that one. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> should, should, so this kind of connects. Should additionally add that the reason I said Noga Fighter first is because Jig had banned Cleric from the challenge. So I knew he couldn't yeah. answer a Cleric. Smart, <laughs> yeah, smart yeah. yeah. Um, and that, that was a smart yeah. thing. Yeah, so it, you leading with an 82% win rate, uh, Ancestry. 72. Good idea. Yeah. Or 72, sorry. Even okay. then. Yeah. It's kind it's of absurd. Still a good idea. Yeah. Uh, All right, yeah, keep, keep going, Phil. Yeah. yeah, so the next... Sorry, I've got like five spreadsheets open at the moment. Um, <laughs> other ones to look out for that are doing incredibly well. Uh, we have the Half Demon Wizard at a 68% win rate. And mm-hmm. we have the Dwarf Fighter at a 60% win rate. Um, those mm-hmm. are our two classes that are arguably way too strong. Um, nice. And uh, while we're talking about these really high win rates, the Small Folk Wizard has a 0.598% win rate, so it may as well be 60% at that point. Um, so that's a pretty good place to start i guess when we're looking yeah. at those ancestries the ones we thought would be good uh very good yeah and uh any bad ancestries like what's the worst one 
uh, the worst one that we actually have sample size on is the Orc Wizard. Um, I know there's a few there's there's a few mad lads out there playing Orc Wizards. Uh, <laughs> don't if if you if you want to win, don't. Um, it's got the same win rate as you know a cleric, a human cleric. So, um, and <laughs> you're playing wizard and you're becoming the same win rate as human cleric. It's probably not the best for your uh, <laughs> best for your uh, chances of winning. Yeah, yeah, right. Good stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, this kind of confirms what we've been talking about and noticing as we play, right? It's uh, it's yeah. not it, nothing really big, not, not a big surprise here. Although I will say the fighter having the second highest win rate is a surprise to me. Although yeah. when you think about it, it's not surprising, right? Because it's the ogre fighter probably doing a lot of it and or just fighters beating yeah. up wizards. So uh, it makes sense. However, yeah. it shows a big problem with game balancing right now. A big effing problem, right? If Wizard yeah. is winning all these games and everyone else is below 50%, that's bad news, you know? And I mentioned this on Discord the other day. The Wizard uh, Ruby um, boost or buff and the uh, level 13, 14 content came out like six months ago. It's been out or yep. six months or at least, maybe even a little bit longer. So like, it's been like this for a while. And yep. not great, not 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 a great thing. I just want that. One, my two cents on this. One comment to add too uh, is like, if you look at the middle band, it's between fifty-five to sixty. The A tier to the so it, there's an image that um, Filtro made that's awesome that I, we're gonna post to the show notes so you guys kind of get some context here. But there's it's a tier maker tier, so there's like S tier, triple. He added a triple S tier, um, A B C D. Uh, F right, and yep. so ABC is right in the middle of all of those, and um, I would argue that if you're going for balance, you're going to want the majority of your classes in that ABC tier. Now, there are slightly more uh, there. I guess there's ten there in ABC, but there's also ten on the S triple S and the and the D and F if you combine those two together. Mm-hmm. So we have five classes at the bottom of the pack and five classes at the top. So definitely, I think there's going to be some adjustments being made. I don't know how they're going to really target those adjustments other than tweaking what the level ups are as we go to 16, 18, 20, 22, 24. I think that's how the only way they're going to be able to do it because that's the only way you can like sort of finite control things. But even then it's not, it's at the class level. It's not at the race level. Maybe they'll have to introduce a class race combo tweak i don't know if that'll happen but that'll just make things more crazy handi- but maybe we'll have to or handicaps or something like that um yeah the other yeah the the other thing here too is um actually i forgot what i was going to say dubs do you have do you have a response to any of this yeah so um some vindication for horgo on the dwarf fighter there gotta shout that out <laughs> right like yeah. he was advocating for it and here it is the numbers don't lie he's not crazy and I better mm-hmm. finish leveling up Jim Lee if I am to join the ranks of elite dwarven fighters. So um going to look to finish Dwarf that fighters up. tough. Yeah, it's tough. I, yep. I, they they beat me up sometimes for sure. They I got beaten. I think I uh, dwarf fighter actually beat my monk the other day in a, in a really close game. The um, other thing I'm seeing in the S tier is the... Well, did you have a thought you want to finish there, Jig? No, no, no. Keep going. No, keep going. Yeah, I have I'm, a thought. I have a thought. My next okay, monk go. name is going to be Spank My Monk. And then two, okay. thought number two is because <laughs> you said Beat My Monk. And it was I was like, oh, yeah, perfect. 
And the number two thing is that all those dwarf fighters have got to be Horgle in the queue. Good job, Horgle. You're killing it. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah. Maybe that, okay, wait, no, that, that, that could well and truly be right. I've only played against, <laughs> I swear I've only played against Horgle's level 14 dwarf fighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Dubs. Finish your thought. Yeah. So we haven't talked at all about this other uh, character that's hanging out in the S tier, which is the Orc Fighter. Uh, um, yeah. I was just about to get to that. Um, the spreadsheet I'm looking at now had the minimum sample size at uh, Barbarian's um, play rate, which was the lowest of the beta classes. Orc has maybe like five games less than that. Um, so I put it in the visual tier list for everyone. I was just about to get to it. It's got a higher win rate than Dwarf. Nowhere near as high as the Ogre. I think it was, it's like 62, 63%. So that's also doing incredibly well. Um, and that, I underestimated that ancestry. That was one, you know, we asked the question, like, what, what's the worst ancestry? And I just kind of assumed Orc, but. Uh, well, it still yeah, is. Seeing it there. Yeah. It still is, but it makes a good here. fighter. It makes it, yeah. I have a, I have a 14, level 14 Ogre and Orc fighter. I think those are the, that's the only Orc I've made as a fighter. Um, yeah. and it's good. Yeah. It, like filter said, it's not as good as the ogre, but it's still pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, the orc, it takes a gold out of the deck and puts a three damage weapon in it. So it's going to be good for the fighter and bad for everyone else at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 And the last one I'd like to bring up for ancestries is the elf wizard. Um, mm. I know I had a lot of hype on this one, especially when it came out. Uh, it's currently sitting at a 53% win rate. So mm. it looks like it's, Keep in mind, Pretty this good. is post-elf post nerfs. Uh, it turns out mm. even before the elf got nerfed that small folk and half-demon had a higher win rate than elf. Um, and it looks like even human wizard has a higher win rate than elf, which I think is really interesting from the yeah. perspective of, like, will there ever sense. be a case yeah. where human is better than being an ancestry? That's yeah. not fully the case here, but uh, we can certainly yeah. see that just choosing any ancestry doesn't automatically make you better, if that makes sense. Just... Sorry, just quickly throwing back to an early one. Remember, most of those games from the human are in production. So it's. I might be able to get a bit more of a targeted one to see if. Uh, look at just human wizard games in beta. Um, yeah. Mm, I see. That's a good call. So I have a question for the, for the group here. Um, there are several. I can't even count them all. Probably 15 or to 20 um, untiered, which means less than 50 games were recorded. Um, of that group of untiered, which one, which combos do you guys think will be the ones that rise from this on, like, you know, this group that's too low to have a sample size of to stardom? Or do you think they're not being played very much because they're just not very exciting or what? I, I think it's the data only being six months or like two months and they haven't been out that long, I think is a factor in it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, one thing that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is that half demon ranger. If the mm -hmm. early numbers are looking good for it, um, that could be an interesting one to see to see where yeah. it goes. So I'm glad that you, you know, said I, that because one of the things that we just said was that the spyglass was clogging the deck, right? And if you have a way to counter that spyglass clogging, even though you are adding two additional cards to the deck. <laughs> but over time, you're 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 counter you're counterbalancing that, right? Uh, I can see that how that could be powerful at the end. Yeah, um, I kind of want to see how small folk cleric goes, um, and I want to see mm -hmm. how elf cleric and ranger and thief go, uh, in addition to small folk thief and half demon thief. Um, so. Kind of yeah, the, the the wizard ancestries with thief and ranger 
is and cleric is what I'm looking out for. I've mm-hmm. gotten um, characters up to level 14 with all of these, but I haven't played much with them yet. Uh, just because monk dropped and that a lot of my recent attention has been, has been there, but yeah, it's hard because yeah. there's so many things to try out that it's just going to take a while to get around to everything, you know, but uh, this, yeah. this, this is cool because um, this makes me want to play my half demon ranger some more and check out uh, some of the other stuff, the, the small folk thief, which I, which I just, I think recently got up to 14, et cetera. So um, one final thing I want to say here, not final, but I mean, we, we can keep going if we have other things, but I want to talk about the fighter again. All right. And this has kind of been a recurring mm-hmm. theme here. And this data is pretty interesting because it kind of shows that maybe the fighter isn't in a, such a bad place. However, I'm a little worried that after the wizard gets its inevitable uh, nerf and, you know, other things happen, the fighter might just run roughshod over everything, you know. And the, the thing with the fighter is you don't really have to, it's so consistent. It's just, it's like playing against a timer almost, you know, when you're playing against a a fighter, you have X amount of turns to win before it, before it kills you or or heal. Um, Is it good for the game to have this fighter in here? Is it good to have this ogre fighter with a 72% win rate that can just clobber stuff without, you know, really participating in the deck building aspect of the game? Uh, Can I I weigh in on this before I get elbow deep in water again? Please. <laughs> so, uh, in any card game that I've ever played, when there is a meta ship, because you've entered in new anything, aggro wins in the very beginning. Because everybody's playing suboptimal things, they're still learning the rhythm of new decks, etc. And aggro is pretty simple. Beat the face. And that's it. That's all your only job is to hit as hard as you can into the face and you don't worry about anything else. So it's going to have a higher win percentage. As soon as people figure out how to play like a lift thief in the the beta um, in the Production. beta queue, as soon as cleric shows up, as soon as monk, you know, now that monk's there, I would guarantee you. I don't think I've lost a single game to fighter with my monk in the current build. So, like, I think once you give it enough data, you give enough people enough experience with what they're currently playing, they're going to realize, okay, I just have to heal like a lot. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. Another point is, too, is as the level goes up, uh, 16, 18, 20, 24, there's going to be a lot more hit points for all the characters as well, which is really going to hurt the fire, Ooh, the fire yeah. too, I think. But I don't know. Uh, what do you guys have Phil? I think the ogre especially. Yeah. Uh, Sam, well, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. On, that, on, that, on that point, the ogre especially is hurting a long game because it's so freaking hard to buy stuff unless they get a huge econ nerf. It's really hard to buy anything, so... So yeah, long game is going to hurt them a lot. That's all I wanted to add to that that small yep. point. Um, so I think the way the meta is kind of shaped right now is we've got four things going on. We have Ancestry Fighter, Ancestry Wizard, Beta Classes, and then, um, shall we say, Lift Thief and Cleric, the heal OGs. Um, Ancestry Fighter beats every single Beta Class right now um, because they don't. the Beta Classes don't... Uh, We'll, we'll throw Monk to the side for now. Monk beats everything, but we'll get back to that at a later focus. Um, yeah, so Ancestry Fighter beats every single beta class. It beats Ancestry Wizard um, when they're not going... I mean, I've, I've taken games against Ancestry Fighter because I play Serene on my Elf Wizard, um, and so you can kind of just get games where you get some healing early and then you just keep pressing Serene every turn you get there. Um, but yeah, so it beats Ancestry Wizard, it beats every beta class, and it still loses to Cleric and Lift Thief. Um, however... Cleric and Lift Thief lose to Wizard, Ancestry Wizard, and Beta Classes. 
So why would you play Lift Thief and Cleric in the beta queue if you're going to lose to everything that isn't an Ancestry Fighter or a Barbarian? Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of... There's a bit of natural selection going on, so to speak. Uh, and also on the beta queue, people just want to play with their fancy toys. People don't want to... Don't really want to queue Lift Thief and Cleric as much when they could play anything that's new instead. Um, yeah. So I yeah. think that does account for a bit of inflation in the... Um, the ogre fighter win rate, the dwarf fighter win rate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, that being said, if it's beating everything that isn't a lift thief and a cleric, it's probably too strong. Um, and we do see that it's. If you look at the matchup spread, the reason why its win rate is so high is because everything that's popular in beta it beats. Um, sure. So, yeah. Yep. I think you bring up an interesting point though about like what you're kind of playing for and like what does balance mean and stuff like that. So like if you're like queuing up and you don't know what you're going to face. Um, that's kind of different than having like this rock, paper, scissors of uh, like, if they play that, then I could play this and, and so on and so forth. So I think that part's like kind of good actually. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think hmm. it's healthy for tournament play, but not healthy for ladder play. If you get what I mean. Yeah, hmm. that's that's kind of what I the yeah that's a good way of putting it that I was trying to get at. But can it can the like game exist in a way that it's good for both? Kind of is what we want to be working towards. Yeah. I, I think so. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And Great. I'm sure as time goes on and people get more health from leveling up, that these aggro builds are going to fall off a little bit. Um, and like especially what when we Alex get to level twenty four. Yeah. yeah, but you know, the, or or the those uh, classes just get extra upgrades with massive amounts of damage in them. You know, to kind of to deal <laughs> to to account for. Right. It. Yeah, this is how, and that's this is why I keep pumping the brakes every time we're we're talking about balancing everything perfectly. Now at fourteen, like they look at level twelve now. Who gives a shit about level twelve at this point? Right. We used to care about right. having everything perfectly balanced. Now, now that we're at fourteen. That's all that matters. Six months from now or whatever, you know, uh, yep. level 24 is really only going to be all that matters at the end of the day, in my opinion. Right? Yep. And yep. the uh, upcoming treasures or upgrades are going to be what cinches everything off. So yep. I think it's good to try to get everything relatively balanced at each stage. But until I see everything that they're going to do and this, this is kind of – at first, I was a little scared about the pace of the uh, testing that we're about to go through that Rob outlined in the in the roadmap interview. But I think it's good, actually. Get everything out as quickly as possible, you know, relatively quickly. And then once everything is out, now we do like really heavy balancing and changing and stuff. Because a lot of the changes we're doing now are going to be moot, right? Like the Ranger buff uh, actually was unnecessary. We probably could have left the ranger as he was with the level thirteen upgrades, and he probably still would have been close to the bottom of the heap. Who knows? Or maybe he would have been a little better off. But you know, I don't know. My point is like, but you also want to try to get the game healthy and fun at the different levels as mm-hmm. well. Like we're seeing right now in the production app, like it's not it's not a lot of fun, or like there's not a lot of varied play going on. You're playing wizards or you're playing thieves, at least at you know the high levels, and like that's it. You know. Um, I don't know. My two cents, guys. Do you guys have any final um, kind of meta thoughts here before we move on to the next segment? Um, Well, we've still got the uh, beta classes to discuss, so should we dive into them? We should, yeah. Um, Yes, we should. 
Um, let's do that. Start them off. Go. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off with the Alchemist. Um, it's been around for a while now. People are still playing it, which is important. So it's actually got a healthy sample size. Um, and it's sitting at a 51% win rate. So as far as the Alchemist goes, it's pretty balanced. It's got losing and winning matchups across the board. Um, yeah, it's doing well. Nice. Yeah, That's good. Um, look at the Barbarian. Not many people are playing the Barbarian, but it is at a 49% win rate. Um, again, it's just beating up on Ancestry Wizards at the moment, which are all over the place, and it's still got the problem where it kind of just <laughs> loses to... It, it loses in the same games the Fighter loses, just in a different way. And it also loses to Fighter, which is bad for its health um yeah that's yeah. too bad yeah um I, yeah. see i would have guessed the opposite that's kind of funny that you say that because i would have guessed the opposite would have been true but well the barbarian, barbarian does damage to itself which is what the fighter wants to do to the barbarian <laughs> so yeah. the barbarian helps the fighter and its uh mission statement is kind of the problem with it yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah then we've got the druid uh it's got a better win rate than Cleric does in production um, at 38%, but yeah, the oh, nerfs have hit it very hard. Thing. The nerfs have hit <laughs> it very hard, and it needs to be, it needs a little bit of a swing in the other direction. If the best Sad, thing you can so say about before. a class is that it it has a better win rate than Cleric, you're, you're, you're probably in big trouble. <laughs> like if, that, yep. if, that's your opening, if that's your opening salvo for, for describing a character, not great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Necromancer was sitting at a 53% win rate. Um, ah. So this this data is from maybe three, five days after. So it's about five days after it got nerfed is what we've got the data. So we've got that entire pool of before nerf and then after nerf. Mm. Guarantee most of these games are before nerfs. The problem when you look at Necromancer and you look at its matchup spreads is it has 80-20s across the board. You either have an 80% win rate or a 20% win rate and there's almost no middle ground. Mm, Either your opponent can deal with those skeleton rushes or they can't. And if your opponent can't deal with it, you win the game. If they can, you win. That's kind of just how the class is balanced. And quite frankly, it probably needs a pretty major rework if it ever wants to be viable. Because I don't think anyone really wants to queue up into Necromancer and think, oh, if only I queued this other class, I would have won this game. Um, Yeah. I have not, um, since the nerf, I haven't really looked back at the necromancer i played a little bit and i was like what's what's the point you know especially with uh the the new stuff that's fun to play that's coming out i keep saying as well okay enjoy it while it lasts right like the druid at first was a lot of fun the necro came out just swinging for the fences and super high win rates nerfed to the ground into oblivion and it's like okay the they're not fun to play anymore i guess nice job but yeah um, hopefully we see the Druid and come back. You know, the Barbarian too. What? Sorry, I, I missed the Barbarian part, Filtro. What was the Barbarian win rate? Uh, it's at 49%. Um, it's kind of beating Ancestry Wizards, losing to Ancestry Fighters, and everything that a fighter would lose to. Um, yeah. So it's basically yeah. just worse fighter is the way to look at it. It's another one. Like the Barbarian is so much fun, and there's so many cool components in that kit, but it's just not coming together they need to do some like there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with these I, i'm not trying to sound too pessimistic here but like it hurts me to see these cool characters that came out right. shining with these like awesome things and just c- kind of immediately just get exploded you know anyway yeah. it'll be, um, it'll yeah, be fun to see if they experiment with that thought of just making everything stronger or if they, you know, or or if they they are able to actually like achieve some balance at twenty four, we'll see what happens. Well, they're just I could you nerf it a little bit, but they're doing like 
multiple nerfs at the same time and just totally yeah. blowing stuff out of the water, you know? Yeah, they don't get a um, chance like, to see the impact of the The of Necro the got four nerfs, four nerfs at once, or like four changes. Three of them were nerfs. One was like kind of a, an iffy, but it's just like, what are we, what are we yeah. doing? That's yeah. And the, yeah, anyway. Or yeah, like you take the Druid and like the one mechanic that made it amazing, they not only rip it away, but they replace it with something abysmal. So they replace it with literally the worst ability in the game. Literally, it's the word the druid's ability. I are, in my opinion, is the worst ability in the game. Uh, I challenge mm-hmm. any of you to tell me to give me a worst ability. It's really yeah. good when you're playing against monk at level three. Sorry, not monk, uh, bard at level bard. three because the bard got, will never clear that. <laughs> I got trashed yeah. by Frank on stream. I was playing bard. He played druid, brought out his polar bear, and I like didn't clear it for like the whole game and got demolished. It was a terrible loss. But yeah, I, right. I, I agree. In every yeah. other circumstance, it's pretty bad. All right, congrats, uh, Filtro. Congrats, buddy. You found the one outlying circumstance where the <laughs> druid's ability at level three works against uh, the bard. Yeah, no, it yeah. really is. And, and uh, really, you guys cannot name me a worse, uh, a worse ability there because there isn't. It's it's just garbage. Yeah. And yeah, like the cat said, like that was the funnest part: bringing out your bear and then shielding all of your little woodies, right? And then like yeah. that 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 was it. And now it's gone. It's like oh no, no. we're gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know? And um, hopefully, yeah. But, you know, the thing that scares me, too, is like Rob was like, oh, the win rates aren't that bad now. Now it's like within an acceptable range. So they're like, yeah, we did it. You know, it's like, oh, my God, no, you didn't do it. You just destroyed the freaking druid. But anyway, Um, just while we're on the necromancer, um, I want to point out a particular play pattern you can do when you're playing fighter into necromancer. If you're playing fighter, you will kill the necromancer usually on turn nine if you just completely ignore the skeletons and go face. That's what I um, do. Yeah, it's, it's the Not way to play the matchup. Fighter. Never That's kill a single skeleton, just go face. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. unless they have the taunt, of course. Um, and the second you can drop, because if they're running the armor that converts a skeleton into the one with guard, the second you can drop them below 30 health, you do it immediately. Um, so mm-hmm. pop your ability, pop your skills, all the rest of it. Uh, probably don't pop Jagged Spear, but everything else, drop them below 30. They're not spawning any guards. Keep going face. Ignore skeleton. Yeah, cool. buy fire gems where, where necessary. I mean, that works Very also with uh, other classes. Don't get a recruit. Other classes as well <laughs> do that. Uh, yeah, oh. if they if they yeah, if well, that's why well, they can only get six skeletons out. I, I've I've, yeah. I've I've beaten them doing oh, that I even with that. even with a recruit. I've still beaten them doing it because they can only get oh, six wow. skeletons out. Yeah, um, which is which is Jeez. six. They heal for no, they'd be nine. They heal for nine, and yeah, they're getting it every second or third deck shuffle. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing more than nine damage every turn, so it kind of negates a turn's worth of damage. So maybe it slows the game down from a turn nine or eleven lethal to a turn yeah. thirteen, and so be it. At that point, you've you've won no. anyway. That's definitely the necro strategy, not just for fighter. Like I, even with my um, half demon aggro uh, wizard, if you get into that zone, you're like, oh, I can. You want to do an aggro race? Let's do it. I'm like, let me let me tie up my laces and let's do the aggro race, and you just blast through, right? Even if you're losing at first, you're going to end up. Uh, blasting them out but yeah uh, it's sad though isn't it like let's get let's bring the necromancer back guys you know it's it's only they were released uh you know weeks ago and we're already kind of you know commiserating over its demise which is yeah kind of sad. i want to see well, anyway something see i'll jump in with though healing. we we finally now are at a point where all of the beta classes are out and all of the ancestries are out so this is really where 
you know, it kind of starts beginning. We're going to see a level increase soon. So, like, I agree with all the points that you made about, like, the Barbarian and the Druid and the Necromancer getting these nerfs that, like, kind of hurt it what we feel is too much but let's let's see what happens now in the in the time to come here in the next month or so which yep. uh yep. yeah did totally you have agree. some more uh beta stuff filtro to go through yeah or? so we've just okay. got the bard to go at this point okay. um the sample size from monk is very small but also uh shall we we're say very insane and we're gonna yeah, talk we're gonna about talk the monk about next yeah. yeah um so yeah bard uh, again keep in mind that most of this data is before the bard got buffed um, it's hard to say. I don't know exactly how much it's before and how much it's after, but it's sitting at a 42% win rate. Um, okay. And I think my feelings on the Bard is it doesn't necessarily lose to people's classes, it loses to the market. Um, mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, I, uh, sorry, it does actually lose to Ancestry Fighter and Barbarian. Um, the only time Bard ha- ever has a chance in that matchup is if, say, an Arcus drops in the row and they can get that into play and start using Code of Encores to trigger the healing every turn. Um, so there's fringe circumstances where the Bard can win, but they really need a good market there. Apart from that, into pretty much every other class, the Bard wins or loses on the market, not on the matchup. Um, right. Interesting. Yeah, which is kind of cool. That's kind of... Well, <laughs> I don't know. I like that. It's like well, matchup it agnostic. On one hand, it sucks, but on one hand, it's good because... <laughs> it, well, it's, it's not good because it's like, it, it, you look at the starting market and you're like, okay, I can basically tell what's going to happen in this game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Which um, cool. Uh, Des Tarek, I think it is in the uh, Realms Rising Discord, always complaining about thieves, in particular Smooth Heist. Uh, mm. They're absolutely going to hate the Bard because it does what Smooth Heist does, but on a <laughs> far worse scale. Exponential. Because exponential yeah, levels we've all played against thieves that win the game on turn three because of a really good Smooth Heist. That's basically how the Bard plays every single game. Um, I, I can't speak true. for Desteric specifically, but I think their main complaint is just facing Thief over and over again, and they're sick of it. So uh, maybe the bardic change of pace will uh, I, I, suit I, I their palate. I think it started with balance, and then they got even more annoyed by the play rate. Um, so it was kind of like <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a one-two punch, so to speak. Um, yeah, I, no, I feel I feel for the production players, you know. It's not a fun... Uh, if you're just playing Q stuff, like it's just not fun, really. Uh, if you're doing events and or playing challenging your friends and stuff, it's cool. But if you're just doing async queue and the prod app, it's pretty stale in my opinion. But all right. Um, does that, did we get through, Oh, Sammy, what do you got? Before we move on, I just want to say that I have it in my head, how I want to adjust hero helper so that we can all go in and look at these sorts of things uh, mm. by giving us, basically dynamic columns that you can just select which columns you want to see and then get the win rates uh, from that. And so you can, it'll aggregate things differently for you. Um, and then ideally some uh, some better filters as well. So you can say only 13, level 13 games or level 14 games or humans only or whatever, whatever from there. Um, I just wanted to pitch that before we move on. It will take me some time, obviously. Things have been going very slow. It's vacation no, season, guys. Sorry. Hey, Sammy, <laughs> but... <laughs> we're just happy. We're just happy. Hero helpers up and running, buddy, and collecting. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We're keeping the uh, lights on, bud. Thanks. I was going to piggyback off that a little bit, uh, Sam, which is that I, I love that you guys are working together a little bit here, and that you're able to get this data over to Filterphobe. Uh, you know, uh, maybe he should be Filterphobe, and he could help you make the filters. Ayo. That'd be terrifying. Damn. I'm afraid of filters, remember? <laughs> Damn. 
Wow. It, it's Double a I was flexing, flexing some serious, <laughs> uh, serious wordsmithing here. Nicely done, bud. The um, other I thing, yeah. I was just, well, I had like two small closing things. Well, let me know if you want to just totally get out of here, Jake. I know we've been on this subject for a long time. No, no but, this is a um, great, this has been a great discussion. We haven't done this meta-analysis in a while and we, we need it. And again, it's just a snapshot for what's happening right now. If you listen to this yeah. a, a year from now, it'll be an interesting thing to look back on, but it'll be totally different. It'll be different a month from now, but it's still good to talk about it. So, so go speaking for it, of yeah. snapshots, and I don't mean to put you guys on the spot a little bit about this, and I know all the filters and all the actual work of the website is a lot. What are the odds that you think you guys could put together something like this awesome tier maker that you made once a month? Like in one month, could we see this tier maker again and see if it's moved at all and see if these untiered classes where they fall into the ranks. That's uh, me putting you guys on the spot a little I mean, bit. And we get like a monthly meta mashup. What I do think you think? Filterphobe's okay with it. I'm totally, it took me like five seconds to pass on the data. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Every, sure. everything, everything I've set up is reproducible. Um, yep. Like it wasn't like a one-time pass, so yeah, I could do this. Oh, Double dubs, what you call it? Yeah. The monthly. Wait, what'd you just say? The monthly meta mashup. Boom! Damn, there Run we go. And done. <laughs> All right, Filter Probe right. has accepted this mission. <laughs> we'll see awesome, you guys man. in November. Awesome. And, and hey, <laughs> let me just say, just say really quick, uh, Filter Probe, thanks for stepping up and doing this. I know you've been talking with Sam about stats in the background too, but it's really cool um, to have your insight and analysis with this stuff. So thanks for taking the time. Hundred percent doing this. Yeah, I, really I love cool. looking at this stuff. So this is a. Uh... This is yeah, you'd be doing it. You would be doing heart. it anyways. You'd be doing yep. it anyway. So it's cool of you to share it. Really, no, it, yeah. it's it, it's helpful yeah. for the community, man. Really, I really appreciate it. So thanks for doing that. All right, guys, um, we're not done yet with ancestries. We're actually going to segue that, but we have to break up the show a little bit because we've been going for like probably an hour on this mailbag. Uh, by the way, thank you to uh, Eindelus for the question. We were going to talk about this anyways, but you, you gave us a nice setup. And uh, also to Logan for the great question as well, guys. The We have such an awesome community. Anyone who ever has a mailbag question, it could be something you want to ask us. It could be an idea, something you note, you noted or observed about the game, like anything. Um, send in a written text message. It can be a vocally recorded audio like you heard today. Anything is cool. We'd love to hear from you guys, and it makes great pod con- content as well. Finally, don't forget about Matthew 3's idea for the uh, – the community created Lua custom class as well. So be on the lookout for that. We'll start up a thread by the time you hear this episode. Okay. So we just spent a lot of time talking about balance and it is a really interesting concept from game design as a, you know, a thing that you talk about. And if you're interested in game design, there's actually a lot of podcasts about game design out there. One that I like to listen to sometimes is called Ludology. And ludology is actually like the study of games, which is kind of interesting. If I had it all to do over again, maybe I wouldn't major in philosophy. I'd major in ludology. <laughs> but anyways, their most recent episode, they a, a woman named Sarah Ship was on, and she talks about these terms, balance, elegance, and efficiency. And she actually talks about in... A game balance might not actually be what you want to strive for because balance kind of means that 
it can all be kind of expected and it can kind of smooth out the experience. Whereas like when there's imbalance, there can be, it can be more interesting and more exciting. And so game designers want to think about how they introduce imbalance. And the example she gave for creating imbalance was so perfect and amazing. She said, there's three ways. These are the ones she came up with. Maybe there's more. Um, You can do randomization, asymmetry, and player skill. And as we know, Hero Realms literally has all three of those things. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I thought that that was really interesting. So the other thing she brought up is that balance is a single platonic ideal, whereas imbalance exists on a spectrum. So it's really like how Mm -hmm. imbalanced Mm -hmm. are you okay with your Mm -hmm. game being and how do you dial in that level of Mm -hmm. imbalance so that ultimately people are still having a good player experience. It's great, and it's true, because this idea of balance is really an impossible idea, because there really is no perfect balance that we know of uh-huh. as humans, right? Uh, so this idea of a, a spectrum of imbalance, you're like, how close can you approach uh, balance, mm-hmm. right? That, that's probably a better way to look at it. Yeah, really nice so, nice, yeah. Uh, nice, nice stuff, man. Yeah, just something to great. think about. This we, we talked a lot about balance, but really we have to accept there's gonna be imbalance in this totally. game. And yeah. what is that imbalance gonna look like? So check out Ludology Thinking Beyond Mechanisms if you want to hear what Sarah Ship has to say about this. Awesome stuff. I'm man. a ludologist. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> in that sense though. And also you I want to call that uh you're just lewd, that yeah. Jig did say he likes to shield his woodies earlier, and I didn't say that at that time. But I thought but that was the opening for it, so we can move on now. Wow. Yeah, wow. I'm on. I'm on the same page, Sam. As a bard and jury, I'm a lootologist. <laughs> lootologist, <laughs> hey yo! All right, that nice. Very nice. Yeah. Rolling Very nice. good. All right, guys. Uh, great stuff. Let's wrap it up and head into Monkey Madness. Here we are, guys. Monkey Madness. Now, I think um, the previous episode was actually called Monk Madness, but um, yeah, we, it's it's hard to come up with these titles for this stuff, guys. So give me a little <laughs> leeway here. Um, we we briefly talked about the monk last week because it literally dropped hours before we recorded. We gave some like initial uh, responses and uh, thoughts about how we thought it was going to work out, which have largely come to pass. And now that we've had some time to like really dig in with the monk and get a, some games under our belt and try out some of the different skills and abilities and uh, play styles, here we are to talk about it. All right, we haven't really. Um, uh, I mean, we've we've been playing each other quite a bit and talking a little bit about it, but we haven't had a discussion about it. So this is going to be a free flowing. Um, conversation with five consenting adults and it's going to be i'm really looking forward to it um let's start out with um i guess we'll let's start out with the skills let's start with the monk skills guys and we're we're not going to give an overview of the monk because we did that last episode and if you don't know what the monk is you can go into the card gallery inside of your app i think even if you're i wonder if you're um in the production if you can uh, see that card gallery. Can't see it in production. You have to have a Okay, you can't. Sorry. Okay, so if you're not a legend, you can't see it anyway. Uh, no, I do want to read the cards. 
I do want to read the cards, but I don't want to re- go over like the whole view of the uh, of the monk here. Okay, but um, let's focus on the skills first. Is that cool? Because uh, that's kind of I think, for in my opinion, that's kind of the the core of the uh, of the monk or is the skill and how it interacts with the uh, the uh, the Tao cards. I think they're called right. Um, Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm pulling out my card gallery here. All right, so the there's the right side of the skill tree, which is um, hold on. Let me pull this out. I should have had this ready to go, guys. Sorry. What's it called here, guys? <laughs> nice. But what's the name of it? I, I I never I never get the names right. And uh, don't worry, I'll I'll cut this. I'll edit this. Are we looking for the right side skill? Yeah. Masterful, masterful. Yep. Masterful. Masterful technique. Okay. All right. So the right side of the monk's skill tree is masterful technique. I'll read it. Uh, it's cost to put one Tao Lu action from your deck or discard pile into your hand. You count as having three extra Tao Lu actions this turn. Okay. So basically this is letting you select any of your Tao cards putting it into your hand, either from your discard or your or your deck, which is crazy. Uh, and it's giving you three extra Taolu actions this turn. So it's basically giving you four Taolu actions, which if you've chosen the uh, slipper, the slippers um, of the crane armor automatically triggers and you draw a card. So basically, um, most turns before you start buying stuff and clogging up your deck, you're getting uh, extra damage from your, your Cobra strike. I'm sorry if it's not called that, but it's the Tau card that gives you damage or you choose the uh, serene wind, which is healing. So you can, you can choose healing if you need it. Uh, But although usually with the monk, you're just going to, you're going to ignore that and go straight for aggro anyway. Um, There's also situations where you can, uh, if although I, I don't think you do it with this build, there's another Tau card that uh, draws and discard. I, I'm looking for the name of it. Uh, what's it called? It's called the Stillness of Water, uh, which doesn't really work for this build. But this is a Tau card that draws and discards one. So if you need to sh- flip your deck, or if you if you're trying to dig for something, it can help you do that as well. Anyways, so like this is a way to for the monk just to focus on getting uh if you go for the damage route with the with the cobra with the striking cobra taolu with uh three extra taolu actions that's uh four damage plus the extra from this cobra that would be five damage uh automatically on a worst case scenario and then if you have your other taos in there that's like it could go up to you know nine you know nine ten damage or whatever um, so this opens up possibilities connected with the ability. <clears throat> I guess we should talk about the abilities as well here. Right. And I'm going to talk about the right side of the tree again. I think it's the right side, <clears throat> which is basically uh, a one-time ability to do 14 damage directly to your opponent or to a, uh, 
to a champion. And if you use it on a champion, you get to draw a card as well, I believe. Usually, I almost never use it for the champion because you're going for the kill with it. I mean, a 14 damage. Right. It's better than the fighter's. Uh, huge. Yeah. So basically, you have this 14 damage uh, ability, which can really chop off your opponent's head before turn 10 quite consistently. And you have this ability or the, the skill of basically guaranteeing at least five damage and probably quite a bit more every single turn. Uh, plus healing if you need it or sometimes you have both if you have the healing in your hand and other stuff you're healing and doing damage right basically you have everything you need you don't need to get a bunch of draw because you're selecting stuff from your card or from your deck and your discard um and it's like on-demand damage and it's pretty crazy strong it's very difficult to stop because it's not really market dependent and if the market is good it just gets stronger right um all right, I've talked too much here, but this is kind of my initial impressions on the monk. I'm going to throw it over. I'm going to throw it to um, Filtro next because I know he's been playing a lot of monk as well. Hearing my initial reactions here with the the skill, and I talk a little bit a little bit about the ability and the right side of the skill tree. What what do you have to say about this? Yeah, um, the monk kind of just does everything at the moment. Um, it does as much damage as a fighter. It has draw like a wizard and it has heal. Uh, probably like a thief, not quite cleric levels of healing, but yeah, it's got, yeah, it just does everything and it's kind of a bit good to say the least. Um, unlike fighter and barbarian, you can comfortably get to late game with monk and you also have the ability to play an aggro route, um, the, at the same speed of the fighter and the barbarian. So it's, yeah, it's very strong and the skill is, the skill is the main driver behind it. Um, draw getting a targeted Talu action from your deck or discard, uh, and then counting as three extra. Uh, when you combo that with uh, the slippers is what I've been doing, which is the um, armor. That you, it's armor if you have four Talu actions and play draw a card. Um, the skill single-handedly activating that allows for a lot of power. Um, yeah, it just all comes together, and it's kind of just does everything. So, Yeah, and this... I'm a little scared because we know it's going to get nuked and I hope they don't nuke it, nuke it too much. Uh, Alex, you, I think you've been listening so far. What, what do you, what are your initial thoughts so far on the monk? Yeah. So, um, I run a very similar build to that. The only difference is I run the other of, uh, armor, not the one that Piltro runs. The one so that you gives run you one that's one, just one damage, one health. Just really? because of the, you want that extra damage every turn. Yeah, so the reason being is because at best, again, if, if you're running pure aggro, one, the armor stays on longer. You don't have to worry about that because it's 25 health versus 35 or 40. 40 or what it is. is what it's listed. Yeah. yeah. And so it gets turned off, not like super early because the monk does heal, but it does get turned off. Mm-hmm. Whereas at 25, if it gets turned off, you're either going to win the next turn or you're going to lose. It's just, you know, it's off for all of one, maybe two turns, you know? So, um, second thing is when you're trying to go as aggro as possible, when you draw that card early on, because, you know, usually you're going to win fast, your odds of drawing a market card pretty low. You're going to be drawing a single gold. So, at best, you get to buy something better with that single gold. But it, maybe you get an extra damage off of your skill, but really the other one gives you guaranteed one more damage and one more health, no matter what. It's not random at all. So 
again, when you want to go aggro, what do you want? You want damage, and it's guaranteed, and it's on longer. So, yeah, good points. Um, by guys, the way, guys, uh, we're going to put screenshots of all the uh, monk cards uh, in the um, show notes, um, so listeners can look at what we're talking about. Because I know we probably never properly introduce a lot of this stuff but if we talk about every single card it's going to take a long time we can talk about it as they appear in the conversation though and explain it okay um i might also add another divergence that i'm taking from a lot of monk players um so i've seen a lot of people running right side ability and i've seen a few people running middle ability um i haven't seen anyone else run left side ability which is what i've been doing which is draw six is get 16 health and draw two cards um mm -hmm. a lot of the so on uh, it helps with what Alex was saying earlier about having 40 health and turning that armor off. Um, healing 16 does keep it on for longer than you otherwise would. Um, and drawing cards is yeah. tends to be a very powerful mechanic to begin with. So I'm tends to be to good. That. Yeah. Yeah. It tends to be good. <laughs> um, and, and Phil Cho and hold on and correct me if I'm wrong, but like one and I I'm like this as well with a lot of those, those abilities that let you reach for cards. If you use it early in the game to get a card, that's going to help you just, get off to a huge start you use it right uh, yeah. and even even if you're not maximizing the healing from it but you're buying something that's going to help you take the game under control you do it and you and you don't look back yeah. and that's one of the it's another thing really good thing about that ability yeah i usually use it before turn six um so whether mm -hmm. it's i've used it on turn one i've i've gone first and used it on turn one um as well uh yeah have, yeah, and if you I, use it well, it's worth more than 14 damage, right? If you're using it yeah. to buy a good card that you're going to cycle a few times, you've already got more than 14 damage out of it. Yeah, right? so, and yeah. even if it, a lot of the time I'm healing 5 to 10 health and drawing two cards because by the time I've used it, I've taken 5 to 10 damage. Um, so it really helps just, yeah, it's, it's that early advantage play that I like making. It's the same thing you do with Snapshot mm -hmm. and Ranger. It's the same thing you do with Smooth Heist and Thief. Uh, it's the That's same great thing you too. used to do mm -hmm. in Druid um, before. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um, about getting the snowball rolling early and all those examples of the different situations where you could use it, that sort of utility or flexibility is a form of power. And I want to emphasize that. Mm -hmm. Like if because if you know totally. when to use a card in the right situation, that makes it more powerful. Or to react um, to different game states, right? Yeah, cuz yeah, if the plan doesn't the plan doesn't always go like you want it to and sometimes you have to have a plan B or plan C or shift your strategy, right? Um, also, just yeah. one thing uh, before we get off the Filcher's um, uh, nice explanation of the left ability. I, I, I'm sorry for not knowing the name. Um, is you don't have to worry about serene wind like a lot of the other uh, the middle skill, which I'll talk about in a second here. You always you're trying to get that serene wind with the striking cobra every single turn, so you're healing and doing damage at the same time. That's a different build, different strategy. But with Filcher's aggro, right. you don't need to worry about healing because you're going to heal yourself for well, you know up to uh i think it's what is it 12 uh, 11 16. oh it's 16 yeah but and that's if you're but he's probably not even getting that if he's using yeah. it before turn six he's you, not getting the full usually healing. i'm healing early and healing five to ten health um yeah but that five to ten is just enough to keep just to keep your head and you know out aggro your opponent so yeah it's a nice, smart way to play um another thing i will add is uh it is strictly worse if you want to play pure aggro um, because at the end of the day, 14 damage is 14 damage. Um, yeah. If you want to kill that wizard by turn 9, uh, you should probably be playing the deal 14 damage. Um, but uh, yeah. anecdotally, I suppose... In, in my pure yeah. 
in my fear build, I uh, the fastest kill I've gotten is turn seven, and I've gotten it more than once. Yep. So. Wow. Yeah, wow, I can I yeah, can attest so, for that too. It's not that hard to do. Yeah, it's so healing hard. sixteen draw two is a bit more of a um, it's a bit more of a yeah. toolbox way to play rather than a um, yeah. But it sounds like they're both viable and like, yeah. and that's kind of the power of the monk that you're expressing when you said earlier that like, it can just kind of do whatever, you know, like you can, you can go left ability. And as long as you're like playing into your strategy and understand how that affects your game decisions, you know, you can, yeah. you can make it work either way. Yeah. Yeah, Should I we, think every um, skill and ability combination can win games. Um, we, yeah. We've we've right. covered far left, we've covered far right. Does it make sense to talk middle for skill and ability here, or should we just get into the upgrades? I want to talk about the skill, because this is where the upgrades come in as well. I'll talk about the middle skill, which is uh, uh, called... Precise Technique. Thank you. Precise Technique. And this lets you choose two cards from your discard or one from your deck. And it also gives you plus one uh, a tau action. Okay, so if you're using it effectively and you're selecting two tau from your discard or from your discard pile, and you're getting the extra one from the thing, you're getting three tau actions from it, uh, which is not you're not hitting the four you get from the right skill, but you're basically assuring that you're healing and doing damage almost every turn because you can get your uh, serene wind and the striking cobra. Now this is where it's fun. The way I've been playing it, and I, I'm not saying this is the maximized uh, power output version of the monk because it's not, but it's a lot of fun. It's the amount of control that you have over shuffles and uh, choosing how you're going to uh, uh, customize your, your turn. It's amazing what you can do. Let me explain. All right. So one of the upgrade uh, Tau upgrades, which I already mentioned, is the one that lets you draw one and discard one. And at first glance, it's like, that's not very good. It's just, you know, cycling. However, if you get to the point where you're trying to get, make to it assure that your discard pile is going to have your striking cobra and your uh, serene wind in it. Almost every turn, you can use these draw cards that come in the monk deck. One is the stillness of water, which is a tau action, which you can actually use your skill to uh, grab if you need it. The other one is called the tonfuzz of balance, balance, which is uh, four damage, draw one and discard one. All right, so you have these two draw cards. Plus, if you have the slippers. Uh, which gives you draw if you use four actions. The monk has three separate sources of draw uh, or, or cycling um, just in its, in, in, its, in its starting kit. One of those is basically on demand, which you can use your skill to draw if you need it. Uh, the other one is close to being on demand because all you need is four actions and be about 40 health. Okay, so what this does is create a situation where if you have uh, Striking Cobra, and serene wind in your hand in, in your turn and you play them and you're and you're doing you're healing and you're doing damage and you can um trigger a deck shuffle so that your deck is, is shuffles during your turn at the end of your turn everything you just played goes into your discard pile all right so next turn you draw uh, your new five hand cards and boom in your discard pile is your striking cobra and your serene wind which you can pick up heal do more damage and basically rinse and repeat again 
All right. And you can keep shuffling your deck on your turn every single turn while you have these in play and basically ensure that you're getting the uh, two cards from your discard. So you're getting the bonus from the skill. You're healing from Serene Wind and you're doing damage from Striking Cobra. Uh, it's pretty cool. Now, again, it's not quite as power. It doesn't hit the power levels of the right skill, but it's a lot of fun to pilot. That, that's what I've been playing with a little bit. Sam, you got your hand up. What do you got? So I was intrigued by that same idea because I was like, if I can spam that skill and get both of those healing and the damage at the same time, that's great. But I'm curious because you guys aren't talking much about the leftmost skill, which lets you pull from the way that I read it, at least. I haven't played it like yet so this is the thing the way that i read it though is that you could pull from your discard or your deck mm-hmm. ensuring that every single time you will get that can you not no, the, pull one from the discard either, one from the deck it's you two can do two either. or two from deck not one from each you have to do two either or uh, yeah. yeah which is not so good. you might as well go middle yeah yeah you kind of have to i think I yeah the the left one just i actually bad. think that it would be totally viable if you could do one from either yeah i think that's how it should it be being two is just i i don't know it's it's never going to be as good as the other option yeah no yep. it, it could yeah, be yeah it, it should be one two total from either from either right uh but it, it's not but even if it was though i still like the middle one a little bit better but Anyway, it's a really fun way to play. And as the, uh, the monk sees maybe more upgrades and stuff, and we're probably going to see, to be honest, we're going to see a nerf probably to that right skill anyway, is my guess. Um, right. The middle skill might be, might be the, bread, the future bread and butter of the, uh, the monk. But uh, yeah, it's so much fun to play. I, I love that control. I love shaping your decks and shuffles and triggering stuff in the hand and trying to figure out how you're going to set up your next turn while you're still playing your current turn. Like that's to me what, like the, that's when I, hero rounds really shines and the monk does it really well so yeah that's like some of the beauty of the ranger when you're trying to control your arrows and wizard pulling wizard too yeah like Uh, one of the best things about the wizard yeah yeah it sounds like um it sounds like fighter solitaire and uh ranger had a love child (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is kind of well in wizard too because the wizard has especially if you have the uh, silver skull amulet and uh, magic mirror you can basically your first your first deck. You can decide how and when you're gonna um, shape and flip your discard, right? Uh, and you can set up some interesting things. That's one of my favorite things about the wizard is the opening. The wizard's opening has so many different ways of doing things and setting up stuff, and uh, the monk does that really well. So, yeah. Um, as a general call out, uh, just while we're talking about the left side skill, uh, which is draw for two, draw two from either discard. Or two from deck, um, I would not recommend using that with slippers, um, because you, slippers needs four. And even if you are drawing two from deck, you might think, "Oh, there's a good chance I'm going to have two in my opening hand." And if I draw two from deck, I hit four. I tell you what, I um, my initial plan when leveling up the monk was I'm going to start with the draw one. I'm going to get to the draw two from deck. Then when I hit nine, I'm going to respec once I get the slippers. Um, I did that, but I forgot to respec as soon as I hit level 9, and I played a few games at level 9 where I had the draw 2 from deck and the slippers. And the amount of times the slippers didn't trigger drew me nuts. Um, so just mm, keep that uh-huh. in mind. It's, it's pretty inconsistent if you have draw 2 from deck and slippers. So if you do go that left side skill, make sure you get the armor that's uh, one combat, one healing, just so you've got some consistency going. Mm-hmm. For the middle skill, the, the um, slippers, I, I probably only use half of the time. 
uh, and not because they're not activated. They're almost always activated, but some of the time I don't want, I have a perfect five card deck already, already created. So if I drew it, I would screw up my discard pile. So I want to keep that five card deck. And I actually oftentimes don't even end up using um, the slippers, however, which seems like a waste. So you might think, Oh, the other armor might be better. But it's good to have the flexibility to have that draw if you need it, especially once you start. Sometimes buying. you need it to set, yeah. Sometimes you need it to set up the, to set it up like that too. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun to do though. I've been really enjoying playing it, even though it's not you know a maximized version of the monk. But you know, You're that's how I enjoy this. I, I, turn that's how seven I enjoy this wins. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I'm not getting turn seven wins. But you know what? I love uh, a lot of my early wizard playing around, or you know, um, experimenting my early, early days of experimenting with wizards. Uh, <laughs> in the was, pre-Ruby <laughs> days. Yeah, in the pre-Ruby days. It was stuff That's like that. we learned about how much he loved the wizard opening. <laughs> it literally is. It literally is. So, uh, Yeah, good stuff, guys. Um, what else do we have to talk about the monk? I, I, there's got to be some Well, I think we did the skills about. and abilities of good amount of justice there. If we're going to do upgrades, uh, we should blast through them quick. Okay. Um one of them is called the Horn of Ascendance. Uh, it's draw one. The next time you acquire a card this turn, gain two. Two gold. Uh, this is great just because it gives a, the, a monk another draw, which is crazy. It's, a, it's amazing how much freaking draw the monk has. It's, it's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches, actually. Um, the cool thing about this is that you can actually use all of your money to buy something from the market, and then it'll give you two gold to use your skill afterwards after you do it so you can buy something and then still use your skill that turn which is pretty that is crazy. nice now i will say this you, you're pretty selective that is my favorite card in that deck easily yeah it's, it, it, and it surprises me if i'm not paying attention i'm like oh no i can only buy i can't use my skill and then you pop it and you're like oh look two free gold hooray <laughs> it's awesome yeah and like sometimes and you want to be selective with what you're buying with the the monk because you don't want to you you don't you, you don't want to clog up your deck too much but uh, yeah, it's just an amazing card. It's like it, it's a ridiculous card, you know. Um, awesome. It, it it would be good without the draw. Like even if it didn't have draw, and it was just uh, if you buy something this turn, you get two gold. Or no, actually, maybe it wouldn't be that good. But yeah, you know. it'd be like um, a bad ruby. I don't know. <laughs> it'd be a bad ruby. Yeah. Um, what are uh, another one is called. Um, there's a level, f- dude. There's a level 15 upgrade here in the card gallery, uh, which isn't really yeah, I saw that. It's called Resplendent Blossom. It's a Tau, another Tau action. It gives two gold and minus one health. Holy crap! It must be added to your deck, right? Yeah, that's crazy. That's gonna be awesome. Uh, I, just getting um, more, just getting more Tau actions is good, right? And let. I think it might replace a gold if we're going. Sorry, it might replace a spring blossom if we're going off um, what they previewed okay. for the the previous level fifteens. All replaced a card in starting deck, um, and there okay. were divergent choice between uh, two options. Um, so, like uh, for the fighter, we saw two upgrades on the longsword, for example. So, I think yeah. that might replace a um, a spring blossom. And that makes sense because there's also magnificent blossom in the card gallery that shows as available at level fifteen. It's one gold and says if you have 25 health or less, draw one, which is uh, an intriguing mechanic. If not, uh, probably not as oh, yeah. good as the other one, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Right. All of a sudden, you're happy if you slip as it turned off. 
Right. Yeah. Even though there's, yeah. a, there's a little bit of gap between the two, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, we already talked about the Tongfas of Balance, which is four damage, draw one, discard one. That's good if you're going to aggro, I think. What's the other uh, that, choice? That's just good. Um, the other, I don't even. What, uh, the it other turns a gold into a spring blossom in your deck, I think. Okay, which is actually what I use for the middle. Oh, no, no, I don't use that. I use that for the for the right one, but yeah. For the middle one, I need those Tonfas for the draw, for the middle skill version. Uh, we also have the Ring of 1,000 Palms. This is a freaking awesome card. Uh, it does one uh, healing and draws one, right? So that's just the repeatable effect. But you can scrap yeah. it and basically make yourself almost invulnerable all right it says you cannot be dealt more than 10 damage each turn until your next turn so basically it gives you 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 can you can take 10 damage but that's it right so if you're about to die or if you know your opponent has a huge turn coming up you burn this thing and you're like all right go for go for it but you know it can turn games it can basically win games for you it's it's kind of like a it's similar to like the uh, small folk ability, right? Oh, I was the, just about to say, can you imagine playing against a monk <laughs> small folk? You pop the hide, they go back to five, and then they heal them because monk monk can heal themselves six pretty comfortably. They heal themselves another six health, get back to eleven, then pop the ring. You just like, I have to do this again. <laughs> small folk monk, small folk monk is going to be crazy, though, guys. Holy crap! With all the draw that that small folk has to, I can't wait to see the art. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. good. It's going to be great. Uh, all right. That's a great one. Uh, we also have, is that about it? Um, uh, I think the level five upgrades are an important one to discuss in particular because they're both good. Go for it. I, I don't have them in front of me, so go for um, it. So you'll have, I don't know the names off the top of my head. Um, one upgrades the the damage uh, Taolu action. It just gives it a damage in addition. Um, Cobra so, Fang, it's called. Yeah, yeah. Cobra Fang. So Cobra Fang, you go really from... Good. You go from getting combat equal to your Talu actions to one combat plus combat for each Talu. And Which the other big. one is uh, it replaces the ruby in your deck. Uh, it says if you have already acquired a card this turn, you may acquire a card to the top. You may acquire a card to the top of your deck. Yeah. Um, which pairs very well with that horn we were talking about earlier. Um, mm. And randomly with um, Hunt for Jewels. Oh. <laughs> Because yeah. the Hunt for Jewels counts as acquiring a fire gem. It's pretty funny. Um, it is. So, oh, yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Now, but here's, now, here's my thing on this, and I'm interested to hear your take on this upgrade. Because with the, the monk, typically you're not, it's not like a high econ, uh, high wheeling market buying character. You're going for some damage and maybe some scrap and then just going aggro, you know? But this is a super strong card. Anything that can top deck something is crazy good. Uh, yeah. Filtro, do you think this is a good fit for the monk? Um, it's the one that I'm running right now. Uh, I will admit it is inconsistent. Um, there's some, mm-hmm. you know, some games that doesn't really come up at Never. all. Yep. Um, however, there's also some games when it really comes up. Um, and and you since know, you have that ability, you can kind of lean into that when you have the opportunity to. I know you and yeah. I played a game where you had like this this insane turn. I was like, oh my god, what happened? And you had yeah. the Horn of yeah. Ascendancy plus this upgrade we're talking about now, plus you popped off your ability to draw to, and you just yeah yeah I you're think, really able to blow uh, up. We're, we're playing Wizard um, 
monk dubs managed to ship in a bottle of crime spree or something and use that crime spree to write a talking so you know where <laughs> it was a pretty rough game to begin with at that point um he yeah. got off to a super start and then using skill sorry using ability and then using this i think i hit him on turn nine with a turn where i cleared his torgan through a discard and then also dealt 20 damage to him um, i was just like what <laughs> it was dubs did end up winning that game admittedly because that that early uh, crime spree really sent him off the races, but that yeah. turn in particular through a combination of that toolkit was. It really showed insane. me like yeah. the power level that's potential here. So it, yeah, yeah, it looks really cool for sure. I like it's that. It's awesome. It, let me just say too, like the art on this card, not only on this card, but on the whole monk um, thing from the, from the border art to like yeah. all of the artwork, I knocked it out of the park. It might be my favorite character artwork in, in the game so far. Uh, that it's also colored. Great. I really love, I love the monk play. I think instantly it's in my top three characters. I'd put, you know, it's wizard and probably alchemist and monk for me. Those are probably my top three and monk is up there instantly. Tell I'm you saying what. that now I'm saying it now while it's fun. Uh, get back to me in a month after it's been nerfed and that opinion. <laughs> Tool, toolbox monk though is very difficult to play. I feel like I make a miss. I feel like I make a misplay like every third turn. Like I'm still okay. winning a lot of games because of how powerful it is, but I'm constantly misplaying because there's just so many decisions to make. Every so like some depth of decision like making that is appealing. Yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. I like about it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's great stuff, guys. Um, any final thoughts on this, uh, Alex? Do you have any f- final monk impressions or, or things that you've you've stumbled across in your 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 play so far? Yeah, I, I think you, my favorite thing about it because I. I feel like something that was missing from the game, the normal game in a really long time, was an aggro build or an aggro class that could actually compete. Because, I mean, the problem with Fighter is that, sure, it's a meta check, for lack of a better term, because it does put the opponent, put your opponent on a counter. But it, if you play against a Lift Thief or a Cleric, you may as well, you literally may as well concede. Like, just the win rate is so low against those. It's not the case with Monk. I mean, sure, it's probably not. Like, once everybody learns how to play everything, it probably won't win as often. But maybe a 35 40% win rate as opposed to a being a 10% win rate or something like that. So worth playing the game. So Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's a, it has the potential to be the meta, like the aggro meta check that would actually be healthy in a meta. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Any final thoughts here before we, um, Double doves, of course. Yeah, I had a closer. So it's been really interesting to me to see these new classes come out and then the way we evaluate some of the market cards changes because of the new classes. Um, Filtro, you mentioned Hunt for Jewels has this interesting interaction. I'm wondering if you've seen any other cards that you know we might neglect in the market for other classes that for monk they really pop and shine have you run across anything like that or not specifically? Uh, not really monk just likes cards that say draw and cards that say sacrifice and cards that do damage um so okay. <laughs> pretty much like everyone else um okay so there's nothing that like it changes the evaluation in the same way we saw like tithe priest become more interesting with necromancer for example no. not it- yet yeah, it plays pretty similar to Wizard or Fighter, depending on what the market and the game state is. So it's either looking for high damage cards or ways to really get a Card powerful advantage. Deck going. Yeah, yeah. Sam, so you you reminded me of something, Filtro. Uh, 
in playing Monk for the four levels that I played it for, I've always <laughs> felt a little. Thank you. I've always felt a little bad scrapping my Spring Blossoms or whatever that starting one gold card is. I think you have to eventually, but yep. I just wanted to survey you guys. Like you're doing that, right? I'm not just yep. doing it and like. Okay, good. I just want to resort. Last resort. Yeah. I mean, in in oh. order, it's your single gold pieces, then your spring spring blossoms. Occasionally, if I need to, like I'm at the very end and I'm trying to eke out every damage possible, I'll sacrifice the ruby over a spring blo- spring okay. blossom. But yeah, I and mean, that's just kind of again, you're trying to eke out that last bit of the damage. I, I've I've sacrificed yep. the healing card before, the one that heals for uh, the amount of talents you, you have. Like, for? just do it. I've I've done that one time and I regretted it. So uh, never- I, I did it after I'd sacrificed every spring blossom from my deck, so I was in a good spot. Okay, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, again, at that point in time, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a whole different game. That's interesting, Alex. I usually do the ruby for before I go for the tau cards, but that's with my um, middle 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 skill one that that's a problem too because you can kind of stall out because then you're just basically trying to what you're trying to do is get one or two good cards early that do some extra damage maybe give you a little damage and healing or draw and then you're just going you're just cycling your thing shaping your uh discard and uh in hand and and going that way so I, i don't even need the ruby that much i get gold to activate my skill from my um other tau cards so Mm-hmm. Good stuff, guys. I love the uh, I, I love the monk. I'm really I know a nerf is coming. It needs a nerf. It's too it's too good. But I hope it's um, a soft one, and I hope they chisel away at it slowly rather than doing yeah. a, a huge a huge uh, number on it. But yeah, um, four at right. once. <laughs> yeah, I'm four at once. My my calls now. If I'm going to be bold, um, we're going to see one less spring blossom in the starting deck because I think mm-hmm. it probably is good at uh, level three and four. Um, so mm-hmm. just convert that spring blossom to a gold, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see uh, counts as two extra actions on the right side skill. That's my call. Um, yeah. The Tophus of Balance is going to go down to three damage instead of four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think we might mm-hmm. see small number reductions to the abilities. Like we might see 13 damage on the right side ability. It's going f- to feel really bad if it does 12 damage because then it's just strictly worse than the fighter one. Um, but we might see like tiny adjustments or they might even just rework it entirely because at the oh, end of the day, 14 damage to someone's face is it's kind of boring. It's just it is. good because of how big the number is. It's not good mm. because it's fun. Yeah. Um, sure. And it creates non, non-fun non experiences too for uh, you know, some players who just get smashed with it. You know? But yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see the future stuff. I totally agree. The right side of that skill is getting... Uh, it's getting nerfed for sure. Probably to Well, two. and I think here here's where I don't want Wise Wizard to fall into the same trap they did the first time, which is like every healthy meta needs an aggro variant that's successful. Like maybe not, you know, maybe not 55, 60%, but you need a, an aggro variant to test so that the whole entire meta doesn't slow down to ridiculous, unfun potential. Like you need that quicker game. Like a grind. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do, yeah. but yeah. Well, it's kind of yeah. interesting though because the fighter is doing that a little bit right now. It's the second highest win rate at 48%. Again, we haven't really seen cleric really enter the meta. No, I know, I know. So, I know, I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, I yeah, that's really I think uh, 
No, that's an indicator. Actually, the fighter thing, and I mentioned this earlier, that's actually an indicator of a bigger problem with the meta than the fighter acting as a natural balance. But yeah. Oh, another thing, I think, uh, just remember to match up. Um, Wizard's got a better win rate against Cleric than Cleric does against Fighter at the moment. Um, so it's pretty much, I guess, why Cleric's, why wow. you can't really play it on ladder because you're more likely, <laughs> like, the matchup's even worse than what's traditionally considered the gold standard for unwinnable matchups. Um, wow. Oh, no, I, and that was something like, way before it became the cool thing. Before it got the ruby, mm-hmm. Cleric struggled against Wizard. And in, in competitive play, probably not in regular play, which is what, the only thing that Wise Wizard Games ever looks at, which is unfortunate. But in competitive play, it, Cleric won, what, 20% of the time against the Wizard before it got the ruby? So, I don't know. Totally agree. And let me just interject here. Yep. What awesome extra audio sound effect content we're getting from the, the slowly dripping water. Yes. I, and I really, I'm, I'm depressed. We didn't rec- video record that. We've been talking, toying with the idea of video recording. This would have been a perfect one. Cause we just had Alex in blue latex gloves, uh, you know, yep. knees, knees deep in his water cooler. Um, Shirtless. About, <laughs> there was like time, a, there was a cat on the screen. I think a furry a, thing, something unidentifiable hairy body Fantastic. part. <laughs> Never, this is we've yep, reached new knows. peaks. Yeah, we, we have definitely reached new peaks uh, with this episode, guys. It's, it's fantastic. Um, do, do we have any final uh, final stuff? Final thoughts on the mock? Sammy, Sammy does. Um, final thoughts. I think what they should do is they should make the leftmost skill actually be able to pull from the deck and the discard when you use it one i think there's a in dnd there's this uh, you know obviously hero realms is such an homage to dnd and in dnd with the monk there's this skill you have i think it's called the the spinning blow or something along those lines where flurry you punch of blows person, but you punch, yeah you punch them like three times right so what if you do that what if you do seven damage on the first turn the second turn you do five and the third turn you do two then you still have the 14, but it's spread out over three turns, right? And it's not quite so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be a really interesting way to be like, all right, you're still aggro, but if you pop it too late, then you could still get caught. Or someone could put up a guard or do something like that, right? Yeah. It could be cool. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I think like trying to write that on a card in a succinct way presents a little bit of a challenge because you want Good that luck. to be like clean. <laughs> but it's an interesting right. idea for sure. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, All right, guys. Forget. You could word it as uh, deal six, say deal six damage to um, target champion or player this turn. Repeat on your next two turns. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. one way to do it. Interesting. Good point. Yeah, lots of interesting. Well, we'll see how it goes, and hopefully, it's not too bad. Also, hopefully, you know, the druid and necromancer aren't just left in the in the refuse pile and are brought back in some way or some form. Uh, But I think that's good for now, guys. Let's head into the final stretch here. Tap it or scrap it. All right, everybody, when you hear that uh, melancholy music, you know we have reached the final stage, guys. We, we've, we've 
gone through the the weeds. We've talked about Meta. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Monk. We've talked about win and loss data. And I and, and I'm happier than a in a pig in a buck, bucket of crap. I'll tell you that much. It's been awesome. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, let's start things out with tap it or scrap it. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna start out first. Um, first, and I'm opening. I know I'm gonna open myself up to some jokes here, but I'm I'm gonna do it because I'm a good husband. I'm gonna give it a tap it to my wife, my lovely wife, oh. Casio. We are celebrating our 15-year anniversary today. So happy anniversary to you, my love. Uh, she will never listen Aww. to this co- podcast. She never has and never will. But just <laughs> is the, this is still a shout-out to her because she's awesome. Nice. Uh, my scrap is – and uh, Double Doves knows about this. But I'm going to embed a tap inside of the scrap. Um, is my scrap is getting a uh, board game that you ordered several months ago and have been looking forward to playing only to discover that it's missing some crucial pieces uh, with it. And this happened to me with um, a game called Iron Helm. Iron Helm is a solo uh, dungeon diver card game. Um, It's a dungeon crawler. For sure. Yeah, made by um, what's the name of the company? No, Gray Gnome Games, and the designer specifically Games. is Jason Glover. He does all the artwork and the game design, in addition to being a plumber for his day job. Really sweet stuff that he's got going on. I highly incredible game. Great, he does. Yeah, great artwork. It's like my favorite game artwork, maybe ever. Uh, anyway, I got this game. I got the base game and all of the expansions. I got the play mat, everything. I set it up, get ready to go missing the freaking blessing tokens which you know you can still play without and figure out other ways to do it but uh it was kind of a, a downer however the embedded tap is i emailed the customer service within four hours they were like all right your uh expedited uh shipment is already on its way so they were really quick in response and hopefully i'll get that piece in so that's my tap for this week guys that's um, kind of huge go- isn't it going to cost them a lot to ship it to japan well, it's just, it's like a, it'll be like in an envelope, you know, it's probably like 10 bucks uh-huh. or 15 bucks. I don't know, but it's on them. So nice. yeah, they, they responded quick. Yeah. Um, Sammy, let's that. go to you. What's your, what's your, do you have a tap or scrap this week? I think I can do a double all wrapped up in one tap and scrap both mm. when you're driving mm. at 12 AM and you're falling asleep, <laughs> you stop to get gas go into the gas station, you look at all your options for what can keep you awake and you grab that Red Bull and you drink it and it gets you to your destination with like zero problems whatsoever. That is definitely a scrap. However, the tap is when you lay down into your bed and you don't fall asleep, even though you're very tired until five in the morning because you drank that Red Bull (laughs) at midnight and you decide that's the time we need to contemplate like all your life choices. And sometimes doesn't take you to a happy place when you're laying in bed and you're just trying to sleep. <laughs> Red no, not always. It's, it goes. Uh, it can be good and bad, but uh, you're kind of all over the place. <laughs> and all you want to do is fall asleep. Yeah. So yeah, it's a tap. It's a scrap. But better to live and make it to that bed, my friends. So. Yeah, uh, Red Bulls are a double-edged sword for sure. But yes, yeah. nice, nice tap and scrap all at Red Bull. I love it. Um, double doves, what do you got? What's, what's your tapper scrap? We're scrapping out of the gates here. 
The Minnesota Vikings, man. <laughs> I know not everybody loves football. The cat is here with us. I know he's a fan. Uh, the season is in the dumps, man. Their star wide receiver who had a shot at breaking the single season record uh, for yards is going on injured reserve. The team is like nothing but losing. And last year they had a yes. pretty special season. So that, I was hoping to see some of the magic all return, it but it's all like tank for a good quarterback now. So that's where we're at. I'll give it a second to see if Decat wants to chime in on that at all. <laughs> there you go. That sums it up pretty good. Yeah, that's about it. You got my, it. Nailed it. Uh, my, yeah, totally nailed it. My tap, on the other hand, I'm going to give a shout out to another Minnesota favorite here, and that is a new hot sauce that I discovered. I'm a fan of keeping it spicy. I found this hot mm-hmm. sauce. You can get it on Amazon. So, like, you can get it shipped. You wouldn't have to buy it through Amazon. So, they'll ship wherever. But it does come from Minnesota, which I think is cool. And it's called Cry Baby Craig's. And it's like a habanero garlic. It has awesome flavor. Um, but not too much heat, but it has a very like gradual heat that builds up like you're eating it and you're like, this is delicious. And then you've eaten a lot of it and then you're just like on fire. But it really hits you with that flavor first. So um, I've had it. I've say, put the, it on. say the name again. What's the name? Cry Baby Craig. Cry Baby Craig's hot sauce. Hot and sauce. Um, I've so far I've put it on pizza, tacos, eggs and chips. And it's been the bomb on all of it. So nice. that's my and yeah, garlic. garlic two of my favorite things, dude. You sold. I'm sold. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sold for sure. <laughs> I've never had hot sauce on chips, so I'm going to try that out. That sounds good to me. Like, uh, I mean, like tortilla chips, man. Like corn chips, like nachos. Yeah, just like salsa, not just hot sauce. Sam, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's from Minnesota. Let's cut him some slack here. Okay? Um, right, he got us. He's got to stay warm somehow. <laughs> Alex, you have Alex, you have any taps or scraps for us, bud? All right, I needed to walk out of the house so I could, you know, properly. He's got a bunch of scraps today. I think. (laughs) We're gonna hear a tirade of appliance complaints. (laughs) Filter, why don't you go while Alex is getting up and putting a shirt on or whatever he's doing? Right. I've got uh, two scraps today. Uh, sorry, two taps. Uh, the first, the first one is uh, shirtless Alex. Um, the second one. <laughs> um, so, uh, Daily Twenty Three's um, monk has been named Kick Puncher, uh, which is a reference to one of my favorite uh, TV sitcoms, Community. And I restarted a binge of that. Uh, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. Uh, it's a cult <laughs> classic and very beloved. Uh, so yeah, that those are my two taps. Uh, my scrap, uh, unfortunately, this lovely backdrop that you can all see behind you. I'm only here for another month because for the second time this year, my landlord has sold the place that I'm renting. Um, so, sorry yeah, to hear so that. I've had, no. yeah, so I've had to move. I'm going to have to move. I've got about a month left uh, currently looking at places. But yeah, I've had to move effectively twice this year because of landlords selling the place that I'm living. Uh, what so kind of notice do they give you on that? Uh so the first one we were given three months notice, which was well ahead of time, and this one was a month and a half. Do you get any like compensation? Like, didn't did they violate any agreement that you had with them? Uh, so both both of the notices, uh, you're getting kicked out at the end of your current contract. Um, so 
we're on a six-month contract for this place. We wanted to sign a year, but they said, no, six months, we'll get a feel for you. And then, yeah, out of the end, right on the six-month mark is when we have to be out by. Um, oh, uh, yeah. That's what a kick in the scrap. My goodness. Yeah. Feel for you, man. Yeah, forced moving sucks. Moving is never fun. Mm. Never. You never, never fun. Even under the best circumstances. It's fun yeah. after you do it, but not, not when you're doing it. All right. Um, Alex has reestablished his connection. Uh, what, what, what are you tapping, buddy? What are you scrapping? Well, I think uh, the, we're going to start with the scrap because it's pretty obvious at this point in time. Losing a refrigerator and it doesn't look good on the hot water heater. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, I fixed. I, I partially fixed a problem only for there to be another issue. So, you know, if you're having two problems with the same hot water heater, it's, it doesn't look good. Um, anyways, that's, that's definitely the scrap. The tap <laughs> is, and this is, you know, I'm always, my wife and I really try and look in the positive in every scenario. We are in a place in our life where if we had to have two things break, we can afford to replace them. So, you know, there are a lot of people in this world mm. that you get slapped with, you know, like two major appliances appliances breaking in the same day and you're crying and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your mm. life. And, you know, mm-hmm. we can, we'll be okay tomorrow. Mm. No, one, so. <laughs> no one's got to go down to the corner. Hey, dude, wow. yeah, kudos. Awesome. Yeah. Keep it in perspective. No, really, yeah. it's really important Very good to do that. Yeah. yeah. Nice this is this is why Alex is so uh, balanced and, and happy all all the all the time. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, um, what a wonderful episode! We'll we'll start off our sign offs. All right, I'm gonna kick it off first, guys. And you know what? I've got one more rhyme to to, to close off the episode. Oh, right? and, and I'm just gonna give it to you. Yeah. <clears throat> now, now I don't wait, know. I gotta go back and tap that initial rhyme too because that was the shit. Good job. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this song from the Ghetto Boys. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. But this is my version, or at least a bar of Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. But I've changed it up. It's Damn, it feels good to live in Thandar. Okay, here we go. Damn, it feels good to live in Thandar. This place is filled with good, evil, and hope. Some days I rock out my magic gloves. And other days I roll with runic ropes. Now some champions have gone, some don't, but to me, it don't really matter. Cause when the fireball drops, what the F you gonna do? Damn, it feels good to live in Thandar. Woo! <laughs> oh my god. That's <laughs> too good. Okay, uh, I love it. Sammy, over to you. Say goodbye to everybody. Oh, this was great. It's good to be back, my friends. I missed Jeff. Um, as always, my friends, if you go to HeroHelper.com, you can sign up. If you're playing the Hero game, get your dash stats. helper. Hero-Helper.com. Um, no www in front for some reason. Can't get that to work. I'm a professional web developer, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> anyways, it works. It, uh, it will track your stats. It will be fantastic if you go and join that. If you don't, it's also still fantastic. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys all in the realms. Um, stay squishy, meat wads. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a wonderful time recording this. I've had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, hope to do it again sometime, maybe. But yeah, it's been great. And thanks everyone for listening. You're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> Alex. You got any final words for the your uh, beloved fans? 
Yeah, always uh, always a pleasure to be on the pod. Um, wish I could have participated a little bit more besides, you know, showing off the top half of my shirtless chest. And, <laughs> no one's complaining uh, about that. Some though, my friend. wonderful <laughs> ASMR uh, drip, water dripping noises in, in the background <laughs> occasionally. So, you know, but uh, it was a, it was a good time hanging out with y'all. Not so much what I was doing, but peace out. Everybody have a good night. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say like real life can be tough, but we have this uh, great community of friends and stuff here where we can kind of escape that a little bit and play this game and, you know, just kind of get into that together. So that's what makes this, um, you know, special. And, and for me, yeah, I was able to do exactly that tonight talking to you guys. And that was really awesome for me. So thank you guys so much. And to, uh, <laughs> that's right. So to Filterphobe and Alex, you guys were both fantastic to have on the show. We'd love to have either of you on again. Also, mm. if you want to get more Hero Whoa. Realms in your life, twitch.tv slash double dubs, 8.30 p.m. Central on Wednesdays. And until next time, stay fresh, cheese bags. We made it to the end of the show. Congratulations, you're a nerd. Tune into the next episode of Sparks and Recreation for more on community events, meta analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Mm-hmm.